Antifa. Okay, welcome to Move Left Idiots, a progressive talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo, joined by my co-host, as always, uh, LaDonna Loki. LaDonna, how you doing? Howdy, doing well. Another busy week in politics. Yeah. Um, Another busy hour in politics. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, a little behind the scenes. I, we, we were talking about the podcast topics for tonight, and literally like an hour before we went on air... And then, like, right after that, I was like, okay, so, like, four things happened since then. Like, you know, <laughs> Trump uh, paid out, like, a porn star to, like, pay, like to like not talk about their affair. And, like, Chris Matthews wanted to roofie Hillary Clinton or some shit. I, I, I didn't even have time to get into those things. So, I mean, we'll, If you were a fiction <laughs> we'll writer, like, you could make those things up and <laughs> it would be like, no, there's no way, but. This is this is our reality. This is, this is real life. This is, this is fucking real life. I can't. Uh, and I don't even I, know. I, really... I mean, the Trump thing. It's like you just kind of go meh. Like not, you're not surprised. That, I mean, that's almost that's almost tame for him, and that would sink any other president. But it's so funny because it's like, d- did he do that to distract from the fact that he said something super fucking racist yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> like... Maybe. <laughs> think, well, not him, but I'm sure his people probably really yeah, can. I mean, say what you will about him. He's a fucking master of the news media. I mean, I cannot, every time I look for content for candidates that I support, all I see is Trump, 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 Trump in every single news article. I mean, he just dominates everything. So say what you will. He's got that part down. Maybe not for the right yeah. reasons, but he's getting coverage. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's just get into the uh, pre-planned topics because <laughs> if I had to redo it for all that shit, I would never fucking set a rundown. I can't keep up. I mean, I'm serious. I take an hour to, to do something else and I go back and I'm like, too many things have happened in the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously we should talk about the next president of the United States, Oprah Winfrey, um, because everyone <laughs> was talking about that this week. <laughs> So what do you think about um, that? Oh my god. Do I even need to fucking say how stupid I think it is <laughs> that that the fucking Democrats are running another aspirationalist, centrist, neoliberal, billionaire fucking healing crystals lunatic are trying to push like what Okay, how do you really oh, feel? <laughs> yeah, right. Oprah fucking Winfrey is a billionaire oligarch. Sure she has some nice, you know, she donates this nice I don't want to say bad things about Oprah Winfrey. I have I have no desire to be like, oh fuck Oprah. Like she's have whatever. You not she's fine. Super, have you not watched Super Soul Sunday? You know, that's that's good stuff. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> but that's the thing. A lot of these people, people like The Rock, people like Oprah, I'm like, look, they're fine. They're inoffensive. I like them. They're fine. Don't fucking run for president. You're not qualified for the job. But like, see, that's the standard. How- the standard is against Trump. If you're fine, that's that's good enough. And you know, the Democrats are broke, let's face it. So they've got to find somebody that that is, you know, has their own money and is willing to throw in their own money. And and certainly Oprah could fundraise as well. So this isn't about who would be a good president or who has the qualifications. Consultants are salivating over the possibility of an Oprah presidency. That's all this is about. Exactly. I mean, I would 
I would like to say that I'm as, as against it as you are. I mean, I guess things are just so shitty right now that it, it, it makes you actually long for what seemed like civility. I mean, yeah, Obama was shitty. You droned a lot of people. There's a lot of horrible things you can say, but like, I don't know. There's just, it's, I would take it, Kirsten Gillibrand at this point though, over Oprah. I want somebody with some fucking experience in politics to undo the mess that fucking Trump is, is making right now. I mean, I, you know, even, even a horrible centrist, if they were a politician before and understand how government works, my, my thing with Oprah is, she doesn't she's a she's a smart woman but she doesn't know anything about governance so if she does get in there given the fact that she's a billionaire oligarch she's just going to have people around her who have worked for people like the Clintons and, you know, probably for Obama, like she's going to bring those people onto her campaign staff. Well, that's what you do. You, and, you hire people that have experience and who are the most experienced people? Clinton. Camp, those are I the mean. worst fucking people in Washington. <laughs> I don't other, you know, other than their, <laughs> so, but, so, but that would be my fear is that she doesn't know anything about governance. So they're going to be like, Oh, Oprah, it's fine. Sign off on this kill list. It's super cool. And Hey, Sign off on uh, the expansion of, you know, surveillance because we, we really need to make sure we're tracking tech. Oh, yeah, that sounds – yeah, that sounds reasonable. See, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think She's that not a you stupid person, but – You don't get to where she is having poor judgment, um, you know, and certainly she – her background, you know, as an anchor woman and in journalism, you know, I, I'm sure that she has – um, you know, some awareness about foreign affairs, maybe not to the extent that, you know, that some but people she doesn't do. know anything about on... policy. I, I can't imagine. Like she's a very, um, and this is not anything about her intelligence, but her intelligence just lies in different fields. Like she's an entertainer. She's an author. But she's, you know, think I, about people that run for Congress that have never been in office before. I mean, you know, they have ideas on things, but, but what happens when you're in office is you have a team that are experts on different things. You, you know, congressional team has, you know, an LA that specializes in healthcare and one that specializes in, you know, veterans and, you know, one that's foreign affairs that you have your team and you rely on their expertise and then you use your own judgment to make decisions based on that. So I don't necessarily yeah, but... think that that's a disqualifier. I mean, you know, back with Hillary Clinton, it was, you know, the discussion was she didn't have, you know, enough foreign policy experience, so let's make her Secretary of State first. And and what did that do? Did that really give us anything more? I mean, no, she fucking uh, destroyed Libya. Right. She, you know, and she <laughs> set the fucking Middle East on fire. But and um, nonetheless, they put her up as a candidate. So, I, you well, know, yeah. I don't I, know. I, I just think it's, I think it's a batshit fucking crazy and stupid idea and the only reason they're pushing it is because they know it would be a massive fucking money maker for the democrats Huge and money it maker. would bring us and against somebody fucking... like trump where you got a you know a big you know media personality you almost need uh you know a heavy hitter like that um, oh, fuck that noise fuck that noise <laughs> no you don't I, I i know what you're saying but you just need someone who can talk to people like i, I think there's way too much emphasis put on <laughs> Hillary Clinton couldn't fucking talk to people. You put her in a room with, with, you know, Erica Gardner or just an average, you know, your average Joe or Jane activist. She's a fucking robot. Like well, she see, can't talk to people. And I see, I, I see that as a, as a big contrast with Oprah because, you know, Oprah made yeah. her living talking to people. And I do think that she has a core that's genuine 
that she's done a lot of soul searching. I don't think that she's a person that would go based on which way the wind was blowing. I think she would go based on a moral core, which is, you know, not something I could say for Hillary. So, you know, am I as excited about an Oprah presidency as a Bernie presidency or a Tulsi or, you know, somebody else, a real progressive? No, but you know, the, <laughs> in this you need to flayed age, alive for this by our listeners. Before. I know, I know. Go ahead and kill me. I'm the former Republican. You send me your hate mail at Polly Bent, but <laughs> no, but look, I, no, I, I know what you're saying. I, I just think like being a billionaire after all the messaging they've done around how Trump is is a buffoon and and never had a held public office and unqualified and mm-hmm. out of touch. What? Why would you run someone who's the exact? mirror of that but with progressive idea or with left-leaning ideas like what what two answers money and where's the bar i mean the democrats are dancing right now because the bar is so fucking low i mean you've got you know republicans supporting pedophiles and you know all sorts of people with harassment issues and stuff and you know certainly trump so i know why they're doing it we just cannot let them get away with this shit like this 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 cannot fly and i and i genuinely don't think the voters when it comes down to when you get Oprah on stage with Bernie Sanders or with Tulsi Gabbard or with somebody who actually has really good progressive policies and knows what the oh, fuck yeah. they're talking about, they're, yeah. she's going to get trounced. Like, she doesn't know what she's – like, she – look, uh, and, and I really don't want this to seem like I think Oprah's dumb because I think she's a very smart person. But yeah. when it comes to policy, she doesn't have 30 years of policy experience or, you know, even tw- 10 years of policy experience. She's got I zero years. Could- they could boost her enough that she would be able to hold her own. I think mm. that, but that's if she wants it. And I, I don't know why the hell she would really. But why also would the people that? it's, it's yeah, it's like such a demotion for her. <laughs> like she's, <laughs> she can do whatever she living wants, in, you know, massive mansions. Um, and, and also like, can we not let the fucking presidency be a fucking, a, a, a gift for the, 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 like the highest bidder. Like, are we going to have fucking <laughs> Jeff Bezos as our president next? Yes. Yes, we are. And Zuck, yeah, we they're, probably they're fucking are. Line. They're all in line. Like, fuck off. All of you fucking billionaire fucking <laughs> sociopaths. People like like Jeff Bezos, who who don't doesn't even pay his workers enough so that they're not on food stamps. Like, get the fuck out of Washington. You have no business there. Well, when progressives can show that they can either A, you know, have a successful campaign that, you know, entirely uses the grassroots, or B fundraise as well you know the only person who's done that is bernie he's the anomaly right now when progressives show they can do that it's an he entirely start, different though. game yeah he was the start of a wave i i, I, think I hope so but you accounts. know i mean we we've seen candidates that we support and the struggle right now and and a lot of you know the candidates that have conversations with people people feel very burned after what happened with bernie people that couldn't donate you know, gave their, you know, last, you know, cent to be able to support that campaign and they feel like they got screwed. So a lot of those people that did donate are now very hesitant to do so. So it's a tough time right now. Yeah. I I don't think ultimately he's going to have a tough time fundraising though, if he runs again, or if somebody like Tulsi runs, I I think the money's going to be there when push comes to shove, because when it comes down to Bernie versus or Tulsi, uh, or Nina Turner versus like Kamala Harris or Cory Booker, people are not going to fucking <laughs> sit back and let that. You know, I, Bernie's doing some interesting things. I mean, this uh, discussion, most of our listeners have probably heard that he's planning this healthcare town hall online. Oh, was great. Wants yeah. to, you know, outdo any kind of, you know, TV audience. So I, I think that he's got some interesting stuff um, in the works in preparation for a future campaign. I think they're testing out different strategies right now to get around the media 
because they're, they're going to have to. Um, well, I think so. is people realize how insignificant mainstream media really TV media at least really is in the grand scheme of things. I mean, me and Sarah actually talked about this in our interview, which I'm going to play in a minute or so. Um, MSNBC gets like maybe a million viewers for like their primetime shows. Young Turks gets like 10 million unique viewers like a week at least, you know, like they, they're like dwarfing these mainstream networks in terms of unique viewers. And it's like people, but people never think of that. That's like indie media. That's, you know, grassroots media, but really it's reaching more people. I mean, Facebook is Facebook videos like Bernie does a response, you know, to the state of the union, uh, or well to the joint address, I guess it was last year. Right, right. And it got way more fucking views than, uh, that, that horrible fucking, <laughs> The ghost, I think I called it the ghost of a, uh, like a Denver, pros- 18th century Denver prospector in like an empty <laughs> diner that they had. You know, I, I'm, I'm a Democrat, but I'm a Republican. But first and foremost, I'm an American. Like, what the fuck was that shit? Yeah, they're they're discussing now who's going to do the, I guess, rebuttal to yeah. the State of the Union. Yeah, some of the names on that list. Well, it's the, just... the Hill wrote an article, and it was like, Bernie Sanders, not even mentioned. Biggest fucking voice of the opposition right now. <laughs> not, not even a fucking mention. They're not going to give him the mic. You know, he knows that. And so he's doing what he has to do. He's playing the game. But you know he's going to go on his Facebook afterwards and get way more views and fucking crush Trump. And then, exactly. you know, the... What, whatever horrible reject they end up picking to do. Well, and that's why the media is stupid in this because it's really, it's easy ratings for them if they wanted it, but whatever they're, you know, well, no, but that's up agenda, to the Democrats. Yeah. Um, and the party is fucking, you know, terrified. The, the, the article said that the top two contenders right now were or the people are considering were Doug fucking Jones, Mr. <laughs> I can't wait to vote with Republicans. The second I get into Congress, even though a bunch of Democrats, narrowly elected me over a pedophile and saved our fucking, <laughs> you know, Senate. But that uh, was a huge or, victory for the blue wave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. They're, 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 they're killing it right now. Or, or Ralph fucking Northam, Mr. I, yeah. Uh, LOL. Sorry. Wasn't really going to expand Medicaid. Just kidding. <laughs> Even though a bunch of fucking Democrats elected me in a blue wave also like th- this party, like, what the fuck? Uh, you know, we'll, 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 th- th- that's going to be the theme of this episode because we have fuck? other stuff to talk, you know, t- to talk about regarding that. But um, let me I, w- I want to play uh, my interview I did with Sarah Smith, because uh, I, I think that's we, we touched on a lot of important stuff going on right now. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I was saying to LaDonna off air, like if she gets her message out there, she's going to fucking destroy this guy she's running against Adam Smith. Cause she has uh, one of the stronger messages I've heard from one of these candidates, uh, like truthfully, like she, she speaks like a Congresswoman, like a experienced Congresswoman. She has a lot it's, of experience in organizing and so exciting to see candidates like that coming forward, you know, real progressives with a you know bold message and, you know, polished. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm going to play that. Uh, it was a great interview. We talked for about a half hour. We covered a lot of stuff. Uh, we even talked about the Jank uh, controversy, and she had a great answer for that that I think actually would have satisfied me and you, both of our sides <laughs> of that argument. That's not possible, no. <laughs> well, I, and I said to her, I was like, look, we argued for like 40 minutes about this, so it's a very touchy <laughs> subject. 
um, but no, she had a great answer, uh, and I and I totally agree with what she said. Um, so I will play that, and we'll come back and talk about some more news of the week. Okay, so joining us on the podcast today, I have a very special guest. She is a uh, Justice Democrat and brand new Congress candidate. She is running in Washington's 9th District uh, against incumbent Democrat Adam Smith. Uh, Sarah Smith, thank Hi, you for thanks joining. Hi, oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, you're running for Congress in Washington's 9th District uh, against Democratic incumbent. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people would look at that and say, well, why run in that district? Because there's already a Democrat in that seat. Um, so why are you running? What should people know about uh, your primary opponent? So my primary opponent, his name is Adam Smith. There is no relation between the two of us. Fun fact, his wife's name is also Sarah. <laughs> um, but he is a self-described moderate. He's been in office for about 22 years now. He doesn't take any risks. He's never really stood up for progressive values. He waits for pretty much everyone else to move before he makes a decision on what he's going to do and where he's going to stand on issues. I think one of the most prominent examples of this is with H.R. 676, which is Medicare for All. Now, this is a bill that's actually been put forth every year for the last 13 years, and it was only after Justice Democrats launched and said that they had a bunch of candidates that were coming out that he decided he was going to turn around and co-sponsor this bill. So he's he's never really stood up for any kind of progressive values. This district is really loud. It's really assertive. Um, we're risk takers, right? We, we put it all on the line to stand up for what we believe in in this district. And we just don't have a representative that reflects that. He's been in for, for 22 years. He's very comfortable with the war industry. He's very much so in bed with the military industrial complex. And he's just not fighting for the right values. Um, just recently, I had to I got into it with him on his Facebook page about his pretty lackluster response to Jeff Sessions saying he was going to um, lift the the Homes Act and he was going to allow them to prosecute if they wanted in weed legal states. And he was my incumbent was like, oh, we this is because we have to put a ban on fe- how federal dollars are spent. And that's when I shot in. I was like, no, this is not about how federal dollars are spent. This is about the fact that weed is still not legal. And you live in a district that relies on this as a primary linchpin in our local economy. And the fact that he just he won't step up for anything that we've been screaming at him to step up for. And then when he does, he does the absolute bare minimum to be able to check the box. And this district is progressive. It's one of the deepest blue districts in the nation. We're, we're, we snuggle right up against Pramila Jayapal's district. We're really young. We deserve better than a representative that's going to wait till the midnight hour to do something about what matters. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's interesting. Like a lot of these progressive districts and especially uh, in Washington, California, some of the bluest places in the nation. And you see these uh, conservative Democrats, people like Diane Feinstein, mm-hmm. people like Adam Smith. It, it's amazing to me that they've gotten away for so long with, uh, you know, just, just just towing that that center of the road line in, in such progressive states. Yeah, why, do, I mean, why do you think that's happening? I think I think they're the number one primary reason that I can that I can point to that anyone who who's even looking at, at these races can can point to is money. They're, they don't want to take any risks because they have these big donors. They have these big, important people that are donating money to them. Uh, of course, Adam Smith isn't going to step up to the plate and fight for single payer health care. Humana donates a ton of money to, to him. Uh, he's very comfortable with the war industry. Of course, he doesn't want to vote down a military budget. The people that donate thousands of dollars to him are making a ton of money every year because of those military contracts. 
contracts. Um, they're they're doing this thing where they're they're kind of it's actually more insidious, I think, than people realize. It's these representatives like Feinstein and like Smith, they rely on people's complacency. So they rely on people just being content enough. So they're like, yeah, we are working on an infrastructure bill. They just don't tell you that it's only for freight and it's not addressing the actual key stressor on our local infrastructure, which is people and com and commuter traffic. It's not actually freight traffic at all. But they say, no, look, I did sponsor an infrastructure bill and it's just enough to keep people complacent and apathetic. And that I think is one of Adam Smith's greatest tools is making sure people think he's doing just enough that they don't really realize what he's actually doing hmm. yeah no absolutely uh so what were you what were you doing prior to this race um i know you've been involved in in some kind of in community uh things but what were you doing prior to uh running so I've always been pretty involved as far as volunteer work goes. I've done a lot of, um, I've always been pretty political. I was raised in a political household. I helped participate and facilitate walkouts when the Iraq war started in my high school. Um, I participated in protests against the Iraq war after I graduated high school. I have been an elected precinct committee officer up here in the 37th legislative district. Uh, now I'm an acting PCO because I moved out of the out of the district into a different one. And then I've um, we've hosted town halls. We've helped facilitate uh, uh, campaign or uh, I'm sorry we've helped facilitate candidate forums for local races like city council and Renton um, <clears throat> and I've done a lot of volunteer work so I actually used to be on the volunteer board when I was a claims negotiator I was actually the only associate on the volunteer board which means that I was in charge of setting up um, food drives the King 5 harvest drive uh, we worked with Seattle Humane Society I've done some volunteer work with Planned Parenthood with Ignite with Act W and Chick Tech um, so I've I've done a lot of volunteer work in the community and everything like that and that's that's my primary strength is volunteer work. Oh, great. And you have, you know, obviously an ear to the ground in your district, which doesn't seem like your uh, opponent really has. I try to. I make a point to talk to people and engage. I love talking to people and I love talking to people, especially about politics. It's really frustrating <laughs> for for my boss, unfortunately, at work. But uh, <laughs> I uh, and as far as like work history goes, I've, I've had experience as a bankruptcy paralegal. I used to work in mortgage foreclosure and mortgage foreclosure assistance during the height of the recession. Um, <clears throat> I was a claims negotiator and liability negotiator. I helped do special investigations and fraud detection. And then now I actually help manage a mechanic garage in one of the local cities over here. Wow. So, I mean, it sounds like we definitely could use you in Washington with, your, so. with your past <laughs> and uh, fraud detection and, you know, things like that. Um, I love that stuff. That's actually my, f I kind of miss it a little bit. I really love that stuff. <laughs> well, hopefully you get to do it again soon. <laughs> Large um, scale fraud detection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we're seeing a record number of progressives challenging establishment incumbents uh, who all seem to have insurmountable corporate fund uh, funding mm -hmm. this year. What do, what do you think realistically we're looking at in terms of victories in 2018 for progressives and maybe, you know, in 2020 as well, but obviously in the uh, in the short term, what do you think we're looking at for 2018? So in 2018, I think we stand a really good chance of flipping even just 10% of the house. And as mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an optimist, I, I try to be a pragmatic optimist. So I try to, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best. So I really want to sweep all of these races that we have candidates in. I'm like, of <laughs> yeah. course, we're all going to get elected. It's gonna be wonderful. Um, but I think realistically, we're probably looking at about 10% of those seats being flipped to progressive Democrats. But that's a great jumping off point. And that shouldn't be something that people look at and go, oh, only 10%. This is a marathon. This is definitely not a sprint. This is a, I, I use the I use a lot of running terms with it. But when you're when you're running a relay race, you have to you can only run a few miles before you have to pass the baton to the 
the next person. And this is a progressive relay race. We're going to be passing that baton more and more and more. We're going to take, I, I'm assuming, probably roughly 10% of seats this year. And then 2020, if that's another 10%, that's 20% of Congress we've taken over with progressives. But this is going to be a building astronomical large-scale movement. And we just have to be prepared for this to be something that we set our, our long-term sights on. But I think it's very, very realistic and very possible for us to take 10% of those seats in the House at least. Um, I'm hoping that I'm wrong and we're going to get blown away and see 25 to 30 yeah. percent but i think that's a realistic figure no that's true and you know honestly and i i know jank has made this point a lot 10 percent, you know to flip you know 40 or so seats that's a huge ripple i mean the the, me the oh, mainstream yeah. media cannot ignore that if you if, if you know real progressives manage to win that many seats Absolutely. Um, that's a huge number, too. I mean, people don't think about it, but that's what yeah. uh, 10%. It's about 40 seats, 43 seats. If we flipped that many seats to progressives, oh my gosh, that changes the entire landscape of Congress. And we also have to think big, too. There's, there's, red seats that we're looking at flipping too, right? Yeah. Which is, it is all part of the game. There's a lot of these formerly Republican seats that are held, like Daryl Issa out of California. Doug Applegate is a Justice Democrat, and he is, he's running a really strong game there, and he's at, his strength in that district is actually considered part of the reason Daryl decided to retire. Um, but <laughs> there are red districts where we really stand a strong chance of taking those. So even if we leave all the establishment Democrats in, and we flip all those other, those other districts from red to blue, even that changes everything for us it legitimizes the entire progressive movement and then it, it actually gives us power right it gives us the ability to do even more the next run absolutely i mean and you know even to your point even if we flip 40 50 seats uh the fisa uh bill that was just passed through the house only passed by about 55 democrats mm -hmm. vote, voting to reauthorize <laughs> it i mean if yep. we had 50 more progressives in the house no way that would have passed it would have just taken 26 Democrats to stop FISA from passing. And the worst part is there was actually, um, I can't remember the name of the bill, but there was a bipartisan effort that was put out there that would have actually protected privacy and it would have actually neutered the FISA bill. And like that was USA Act. Or yeah, something like it was, that. I can't remember the name of the act, but it was rejected and it wasn't ever brought to the floor. Or it was voted down. And then this FISA Act passed because of those Democrats that, that didn't stand up for privacy. And that was just unbelievable to me. But even just 26 Six of those Democrats, half of the Democrats that voted in favor of it could have stopped it and they didn't. And so I think if if that's the case and if those Democrats weren't willing to stand up for people and our privacy, get them out. If someone out here is thinking about running in, in one of those districts where one of those Democrats are, do it because we need to get them out. If they're not going to listen to us, fine, we will replace you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so just you know describe for our listeners the uh, whole ngp van situation uh that you've that you've got going on with the uh with your local state party right now sure so this has been a contentious issue between our campaign and the state party. I am a lifelong Democrat. I've always been a, a registered Democrat. I'm very progressive. I've always been extremely progressive. I was raised in a house by a man that helped. Uh, he was a consultant when they wrote up the legislation for how Ireland was going to implement single payer. And so I've I've <laughs> always been a part of a progressive awesome. household. And uh, yeah, it's, I actually didn't find that out until this year. And I was like, Dad, oh, wow. why did you wait 29 years <laughs> to tell me that? Um, but so what's going on with Van is essentially NGP Van is the voter access network. 
it's actually really critical here in Washington for us to have access to that data because we don't actually register for parties up here. So when people vote Democrat, that data gets aggregated back and the Democratic Party has their van system, which keeps that data put together so you know which areas are stronger Democratic voters. When you use a third party tool like PDI or like TargetSmart, um, because we don't register for parties, it's harder to distill that information down to who's a likely Democratic voter. Now, when we first applied for it, the state party told us we needed to be endorsed by 50% plus one of the legislative districts. And that was a bylaw that they were they kept referencing. And we were like, okay, that seems kind of extreme, but all right. So <laughs> we uh, that seems like more like I have to win the primary, right? So yeah. I uh, we went and we took a look at some of the legislative districts in the ninth, and it turns out they either don't endorse at all, they don't endorse until after the primary, or they don't endorse until around May, which if you're running a grassroots campaign and you only have three months to reach 700,000 voters, for a campaign. it's not really a feasible option. So yeah. I, having a little bit of background in legal and fraud detection and all that stuff, I said, okay, let me see the bylaw. Let me read the language. Let me just make sure we're all interpreting this correctly. It was completely friendly. I just wanted to see the language, which between you and me doesn't sound like that big a deal, right? Yeah. But <laughs> this is the moment where they decided to clamp down. They stopped emailing us. They would only call us. They refused to provide us the bylaw. And so we went public with what was going on. We actually waited about a month and a half before we went public with what was happening. Uh, that's when the legislative district chairs and some of the county chairs reached out to us. And they're like, what are you talking about, this bylaw? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. And so they started reaching out. So we have county chairs and we have legislative district chairs reaching out to the state party to try and get this bylaw. And they wouldn't provide it to them either. So they wouldn't even give it to their own local leadership when they were asking for it. And then, because of course the goalposts have to move and the story can't end there, right? Um, <laughs> then there was a big call because I was, I, I've been a thorn in our state party chair, Tina Podlodowski's side for a long time now. And uh, I won't leave it alone. I've called her office. I've left messages. People have sent emails. Um, and so she had this big interview where they've been calling, they actually have been calling it the Sarah Smith issue, which I love. I have an issue named after me. My mom's like, of course they do. Every Everything's the Sarah That's Smith funny. issue. I have, to tell, I have them ask me about the Sarah Smith issue. But uh, then she said on this call, she said, it's because I'm endorsed by brand new Congress. And because brand new Congress endorses Republicans, there's a risk of data being lost. And that's a bylaw that they have on the books. And so we did it again. We ran the same gamut and they couldn't provide us another bylaw. And the worst part is they say it's because brand new Congress also endorses Republicans. But we did what any good campaign does. And we poured through my incumbent's FEC donations or FEC filing. He's donated to Republican candidates across the country, but for some reason that doesn't Shocker. disqualify him from Van. I know, right? A military industrial <laughs> complex guy donating to Republicans. How how novel. But he so it doesn't disqualify him from access to Van, but being endorsed by an organization who does dual endorsements like that does, which doesn't make sense because a lot of organizations also endorse Republicans. It just depends on your platform. So mm -hmm. the logic behind it doesn't make sense. They're no longer responding to us. They're not working with us anymore. So I'm going to be an even bigger thorn. We're going to show up to the state convention with a resolution written to separate campaign endorsements from campaign tools, which means <laughs> that they can't rely on endorsements to provide us van access. And I know there's someone else out there's another legislative district chair that's also writing up something. So we are going to go physically show up to this to this convention and bring that with us and i'm i'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun so i'm going to keep everybody posted for that's what awesome. happens <laughs> that's so badass yeah. who, who, um, who votes on those uh, on those resolutions though 
Uh, it's usually our state committee people, um, legislative district chairs, anyone that ho holds a, an elected position and isn't a precinct committee officer, I believe, votes on those resolutions. So I think it's usually the executive board. Um, for the so counties. do you think you have like a decent chance of getting that passed to them? Or I actually, I didn't at first, but I've actually been working very closely with a lot of the executive board leadership. And now I think we stand a very real chance of getting something like that passed. So I'm very optimistic. And if not at this convention, we're going to fight to get it passed at the next convention. We're mm -hmm. just, I'm just going to keep showing up every three months <laughs> to these conventions until they all know me by name. <laughs> you know, it's that, that really, it's funny. It almost reminds me of the DNC. Uh, you know, I talked to Nomi Konst on the show mm -hmm. and... It, the the voting block of most of these democratic organizations typically is pretty fair minded. It's just that there's always somebody installed at the top whose job it is to squash progressive uprisings. Exactly. And that's kind of what's happening in, in Washington, which it, we're by no means as corrupt as like New York is. Their machine is so oh, or God, Chicago, that yeah. that machine. I'm talking to Anthony Clark and Alex Ocasio-Cortez. I just can't even imagine. But I mean, it doesn't mean that we're a perfect system. And right now we have Tina Podlodowski who ran on a progressive I'm a Bernie crap platform and now is reneging on all of her promises that she made. And she's not doing any of the stuff she said she was going to do. She's not providing better transparency. She was elected because she promised transparency and didn't give it and the fact is the base for the democratic party is changing we're people who want rules written down we're getting younger we want more accountability we want transparency that's what everyone wants and she's not providing it and not only is she not providing it she's also actively avoiding it and clamping down on more things so i think people are really amenable to something like this and mm -hmm. i think the the tide has changed so much that it's the perfect time for us to run for something or for us to run to try and get something like this accomplished at the state level Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so you're running as Justice Democrat. Uh, a lot of people were pretty up in arms with with the organization a few weeks ago uh, when they, uh, well, when when Jenk had to step down because of mm -hmm. uh, some blog posts that some alt right guys dug up from him that he wrote about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's a very contentious issue, even among progressives. I mean, me, me and LaDonna, my co-host had a 40 minute argument about it on the podcast, but, um, yes. and, you know, which, and we, I think we basically came to a basic agreement that, yeah, it was super reprehensible what he wrote, but he's also probably not that guy anymore. And also their, their press release for afterwards could have been better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously you're, you're with the organization, so I don't know how much you can or can't say, but w what are your kind of general feelings on just the way it was handled and, and you know, the whole sure. affair? So I'm actually really glad you asked me this question. So I, I actually think it's really important for us to speak on this at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. I can't really speak for Justice Democrats as an organization. Sure. I, I can confidently reassure everybody that I, I know Shoykat, especially the executive director, has been bearing the brunt of a lot of it. He mm -hmm. really is a good guy whose heart is in the right place. He really believes in the progressive movement. He Everybody did what they thought was the right thing to do. So that, I think, is the, the big thing to keep in mind with what happened with Justice Democrats and, and with Jenk. Mm -hmm. uh, Jenk is very supportive of all of us still, even when he was even when he he stepped down. He made a point to be like, I absolutely support Justice Democrats. Nothing else is going to change. Uh, I am very supportive of Jenk. I think he's been a wonderful resource for the progressive movement. I think he's been a wonderful resource for Justice Democrats like me. Um, but I think the thing people need to keep in their focus right now, too, especially with everything being so hot around the issue, is we need to keep in mind what the ultimate goal is. 
Because at the end of the day, what we all want to do is we want to see progressives elected to office. That's what Jenk wants. That's what we want. That's what just that's what Justice Democrat Justice Democrats wants. That's what all your listeners want. We want to we want to put progressives in office. That's the big picture, and that's the end goal. And when we reach the end of that goal, it's not really going to matter who's the director or, or who's on the board for Justice Democrats. It's going to matter how hard we coalesced around these progressive candidates, how hard we fought to get them into office, and how strong they are once they get into office. So we need to. Make make sure that we're not losing sight of it in the heat of all this emotion because it's really easy to get sidetracked by things like this but Jenk is still very supportive of the organization I'm still very supportive of Jenk uh, we're still working side by side he and Shoykat still talk regularly and we're all still working towards this greater goal and I think we really need to make sure that we're keeping our eyes on that prize and we're keeping that in our focus and that stays the big picture that people focus on so that's kind of the the best the best statement on it that I can give I just I think it's more important that we focus on the end goal of what we're trying to accomplish. I completely understand how people feel, though. I think that everyone's feelings are completely valid. I think everyone's feelings on the issue are are all important. I think it's I love that everyone are, is is voicing their their feelings on this. And I love that Justice Democrats as an organization gives people an outlet so that they can give their voice. Right. I think that's also mm -hmm. really important. They, they people can be heard at Justice Democrats. And even if you don't think they're hearing you, they are. So it, it's everyone. They are all everyone is listening. Um, but I think we really need to make sure our focus stays on what's important and that's getting progressives into office. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, ultimately uh, most progressives, even the ones who are mad about that would agree that it is important that, that, that the me too movement is happening because it's been, you know, yeah, sorely it is, needed it is for good. And I think this is a that we have a lot of it's if it's not anything, I'm a silver linings person, right? I'm, I talk about being a pragmatic optimist. But one yeah. of the things that's that's it's really done, too, is it's also started this conversation around restorative justice. And so even if we're really upset, it's really good that this conversation is happening because it, it helps us find an end game with the Me Too movement. Um, it helps us find an end game with the Time's Up movement. It's it really does open up a, a fantastic dialogue that I think has been sitting off on the back burner for a long time that it's now brought to the forefront, which I think is a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh yeah. Jeremy wanted me to ask you, uh, how are you going to differentiate yourself in terms of marketing since your opponent, uh, does in fact share your last name? I mean, you know, typically lawn signs are just, you know, Smith 2018. <laughs> or, <laughs> yes. Um, so we do have, a, <laughs> it is a little bit of an issue and I, I hate the idea that it's like, I'm the female Smith. I don't like that. It's, it's too identity <laughs> politicky. So I'm, I was working with my campaign manager and we're, we're bouncing some rubber balls off the wall. We're talking, we're like, what are we going to do to differentiate me without getting identity <laughs> politicky? Um, and I think really we just, it's a focus on, on differentiating Adam from Sarah and not Smith from Smith, if that makes sense. Sure. So we really need to put the emphasis on on my first name for marketing purposes. I think that's the most important. The way we have our yard signs structured right now, my first and last name are the same size. And I know his, um, it's a little funny. His just says Smith in really big letters. And then oh, it says maybe. Adam in really small letters at the top. So I think <laughs> marketing-wise, uh, <laughs> I know maybe people will accidentally vote for me. That's <laughs> fine. I'll take your pity votes. Um, but he, uh, we've done a really good job of working with our design team to mm -hmm. make sure that our yard signs are unique from Adam's. They're not too busy. Um, they get the point across. People know that I'm Sarah Smith, not Adam Smith. Um, and then it does help that, you know, I'm the lady Smith, but that's the only way I'm going to get that out there is to actually physically be in the community, but for name recognition purposes and for marketing purposes, we're really just focusing on emphasizing that I'm Sarah Smith. So <laughs> rather than just the Smith, yeah. the girl Smith. 
Well, I know Jeremy hates yard signs, so he'll love our discussion <laughs> of yard signs. They work really well for, for this area, unfortunately. I mean, it's it really is. They do help with name recognition, but I totally understand what he means when he hates yard signs. <laughs> They're a necessary evil. Yeah. I know, unfortunately. There's a lot of that going around. Um, do, you, do you think Adam's going to debate you? I mean, have you guys tried to set that up? What, what, what do you think the general, do you think he's going to try to avoid you? So early on, when we first launched, the Bernie Kratz of Washington were really stellar in organizing a roundtable between us. So it wasn't exactly a debate, but it was a roundtable. And so there is actually already a roundtable. If you go to YouTube and you search Sarah Smith, Adam Smith, Bernie Kratz roundtable, you can actually listen to the whole thing. We uploaded it directly. I wanted people to have access to it. So we recorded mm-hmm. it and we uploaded it. You can hear a lot of his answers. Um, the general consensus is that I definitely walked away the victor in that (laughs) round table and not to toot my own horn but I I think a lot of it stemmed from the fact that he came in thinking that I was a nobody who didn't know anything and the reality is I'm not I actually know a lot and I'm pretty eloquent and I'm pretty good at arguing so we're trying to organize now that he's he's not going to be disarmed now we're trying to organize another one so our revolution King County is looking at setting something like that up I'd love to have a debate with him I think it's important to have these debates um, not just because it gives me an opportunity to separate how uh, who I am from Adam Smith but it also gives me a chance to talk to him about solutions it gives me a chance to put forth ideas on the table and everything like that and it lets people it lets people see how different our two styles are and how different we are it's good for both of us and it's good for our district and I think debates are healthy they encourage him to think about his positions too right so in the event that worst case scenario uh I lose the general right I I lose he keeps his seat but Mm -hmm. if we've had these debates and people have heard us talk and they've seen him commit to things and they've seen him come over left and they've seen him move and they've seen him make these promises we now have an area that we can actually hold him accountable, right? He, we've had these debates. We've talked about these. Um, he now go, he leaves these debates with fresh ideas to bring back to Congress with him, which is really important. It's part of why primary challengers are so important is because we make our incumbents work. And this is just one way in which we'd be making him work. So I'm really optimistic. I'm really hoping that he does, uh, he is responsive and he is receptive to the idea of another debate. Uh, I'm not sure if that'll happen, but he hasn't avoided, I will give, I will give him credit. He has not shied away from me on social media, just like I haven't shied away from him on social media um he's acknowledged me quite a bit in public forums which i thank you very much i appreciate that um but i i'd really love to get into a debate on policy i think that would be really fun and i just love debating so (laughs) yeah no absolutely um great so uh we know you have a national following because of the endorsement of uh, justice democrats and brand new congress how are your prospects looking locally for uh volunteer support are you in need of that now in your area we are always, everyone is always in need of volunteer support. If a candidate ever tells you, I don't need any more volunteers, they are full of it. They are lying to you. <laughs> Do not vote for that person. They are lying. Um, but we are always looking for more volunteers. We're always looking for more people who can come and join the movement. We're going to start a really strong ground game coming up soon. Uh, as we get close to the primary, we're going to be out knocking more and more doors. So we always need people lined up. We actually have a pretty big volunteer force. Um, I have an all-volunteer leadership team that has just been, they've been incredible. I've got Supreet, who is rocking it on the leadership end. I have Francois, who's rocking it on campaign outreach. I've got Andrew, who's my organizational guru. Uh, now we've got we've got uh, some help from from Jeremy, actually, has helped us out a little bit with some of our field work and things like that. But we have, we have probably, I think, about 35 regular volunteers, oh, wow. which is pretty big. If you've, if you've ever done a campaign, sure. 35 regular volunteers is kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> 
we've we've connected with some other campaigns too in the area, which has been really really helpful. And we've been we've been kind of combining volunteer forces, so we have a lot of opportunity. But the energy is in the district. People are really excited when we go knock on their door, and I tell them, "Oh, I'm running against Adam." I've had more more than more than a dozen people tell me good, and I've had a few people be like, "Perfect, yeah, I'll totally vote for you, Bernie Sanders. I love your platform." I'm like, "Cool, thank you." Um, so it's been. It's been really positive with reception in the district. I don't think I had one person close the door on me, but it was one of those awkward, really like slow. They took my card, slow closing the doors thing while I'm trying to talk. And I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to leave. But by and large, the district has been really excited. Organizations and unions that I I was pretty confident wouldn't meet with me are actually open to meeting with me to the point that they're setting up. um, They're reaching out to us to set up meetings to sit down and talk. So even if they don't endorse me, they still want to know about me, which tells me the district is is open open and receptive to new leadership. And I think that's a really good sign. That's great. Um, you know, and I, I kind of try to stress that to people. And I'm curious if this is what you've experienced out, you know, knocking doors. Uh, Democrat, the Democratic base, by and large, is a lot more aligned with the policies of Bernie Sanders than they are with the kind of po- policies of the mainstream establishment mm-hmm. Democrats. And I think people kind of lose sight of that because there's so few progressives in congress right now but is that what you're finding when you're talking to these people that they're amenable to medicare for all and things like that oh yes absolutely Uh, i don't know if i've met a democrat who's like no we really need to keep private insurance (laughs) in the health market Um, but i mean this it's a symbol of the times right everything has changed everything is different now and we've been we've been asking for things like single payer for years i mean medicare was supposed to be expanded into a single payer system that was the whole original plan Um, the income inequality gap affects everybody both establishment democrat supporters and progressives Uh, But the general message is we really need to take care of our people. We need to keep to our commitments to them. And that's that resonates a lot with with both sides, with people that are pro-establishment and people that are pro-progressives. I also think it's important not to demonize each other, too, as well. So people that are old time establishment Democrats, they're coming from a very different perspective than most progressives are. And so it's really important to acknowledge their perspective when you're talking to them and say, I completely understand, you know, this is how it was always done. I I see where you're coming from on paper, you know, okay. I was not a Hillary supporter. I was a very strong Bernie supporter. But when I get into debates with people, okay, on paper, when you put her up against Trump, yes, Hillary was more qualified than Trump. I think a mop with, a bucket, with an upturned yeah. bucket for a head would probably be a better qualified president. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the reality is you have to acknowledge where they're coming from. And as much as, as much as we may not like establishment candidates, acknowledging where establishment voters are coming from and then speaking to them about the issues versus establishment versus uh, progressive is really important and it helps engage people and it gives you a lot more perspective on how they feel and what's in, and what's concerning them. Um, most of them too, you know, they really want to talk about things like corporate money. That I think is the biggest connecting issue across all party lines. That 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 touches for libertarians, that touches conservatives, that touches establishment, that touches progressives, that touches green party. That that discussion of getting corporate money out of politics is the most cross-partisan issue I have found in this entire endeavor. Um, when you talk to people on any side of the aisle, from any side of the establishment, from any side of the progressive movement, and you tell them we need to get corporate money out of politics and get these bought and paid for politicians out, everybody across the board unanimously that I've talked to has said, absolutely. So at the very least, our connecting issue 
in the progressive in the Democratic Party between establishment and progressive is getting corporate money out of politics. And it's important to speak to that issue first because that's how you engage people because that's what gets their attention. And so that's what we've started doing is hitting hitting hard in that area first and then talking about all the other issues. And that's it's a pattern of agreement, right? You're like, everyone should have health care. Like, yeah, they should. I'm like, cool. Single payer is a great way to do that. It's cheap. Um, you, you just speak to the issues after you get people engaged. And I think focusing on getting corporate money out of politics first and then going into the rest of the platform has really helped me get more, more connected with establishment voters who actually are now kind of coming over. I always make the joke, coming to the dark side, coming to the dark <laughs> blue side. Uh, but they're more amenable to voting and supporting progressive candidates when you do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think the the whole establishment voters versus demo versus like progressive voters is almost a non-existent thing. I think most de like demo the Democratic base like eighty percent support Medicare for all. I, I think largely the problem progressives always have is just exposure because you know the corporate media it's, it's yeah. a total blackout. Exactly. And um, it's really hard. I mean, I, I love doing grassroots media outlets. I think it's my favorite because um, a podcast like this one, I was on Environmental Coffee House. I always get asked questions that I never get asked anywhere else. And I just think it's so great. And it talks about issues that I love talking about. And I never really get a platform to do it. So I think grassroots media, it's it's really fun. I think it actually reaches a lot of people. I know the Young Turks, actually, I think they have more active viewers than MSNBC oh, yeah, right absolutely. now. Yeah, their reach is huge. And so they're not, I don't really want to call them grassroots media anymore <laughs> yeah it's almost like a misnomer at this yeah, point it, but they're also not mainstream which is so it's really they're in their own little thing mm -hmm. um but i mean i think that you know working with grassroots media really is important I, I, barack obama actually said uh grassroots media is the future and i think he's completely correct uh, but we still have to contend with the issue of dealing with with mainstream media as it is and that is actually the hardest but if you tell anybody oh yeah you have this progressive candidate running for this office everyone's like oh cool look at their platform that's amazing i just didn't know this person was running or i would have voted for them so it's about mm -hmm. getting getting the name out and getting your message out and getting your platform out yeah absolutely so where can people find you uh you know to volunteer to donate uh, just on social media I am everywhere. Um, <laughs> votesarasmith.com is my website. And for quick links, you can go to votesarasmith.com slash donate, votesarasmith.com slash volunteer. I'm also on Twitter at sarahsmith2018. I'm on Facebook at slash sarahsmithwa09. I'm also on Instagram at sarahsmithwa09. Um, you can always feel free to email me, sarahsmith at votesarasmith.com. I do respond to all my direct messages and all my Facebook messages too. So if you ever get a response, it is actually me who's doing it. So. Um, definitely if if you're looking to volunteer we always have events that are coming up on the um uh 13th and the 14th we're having our weekend of action and so we are um we're i'm actually a panelist at the uh, progressive town hall that's being hosted by King County or our revolution King County. That's and cool. I'm going to be a panelist for the summit for homelessness. And on the 14th, we're having a couple phone banks that you can sign up for at votesarahsmith.com slash volunteer. And we're having a canvassing event. Now the coolest thing about our phone banking system is you can do it from anywhere from your home computer. I have phone banked in my pajamas and it is wonderful. <laughs> uh, you don't have to physically go anywhere. You just have to have a phone and a computer and you can do it from home. And I think a couple of our phone bankings that are coming up on the 14th are are um, actually remote so you can participate even if you can't physically go to the location great well yeah you know i really want to thank you for coming on um after talking to you i have no doubt that if you can get your message out you're gonna crush this guy <laughs> because, <laughs> that's the hope thank you yeah, no, tr truthfully so um yeah thanks for coming on and hopefully we'll talk to you again before the uh, primaries i would love to thank you so much for having me i appreciate it 
All right, so we're back. Um, so I guess we should talk about uh, Trump's uh, shithole comments because <laughs> it seems to be all anyone could focus on because uh, well, the president so said a naughty word. Yeah, I had a I had a day, you know, of just I, I was doing other work and I wasn't really on Twitter and social media as much. And then suddenly I went back and I was like, holy hell, like <laughs> it, it just the, the media went yeah, nuts. And it was like, you know, to see like somebody like Anna Navarro on CNN using the word shithole multiple times was just like <laughs> it was so fucking beautiful. It was like a gift from the heavens, actually. Yeah, <laughs> like, thank right. you, Trump. <laughs> God. Yeah, I like I, her. I don't care what you guys think. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, well, of course you do. Fucking former Republican over here. <laughs> god. Come on. I, I you you know you can't get away with shit like that without me giving you some shit about it. Come on. I'll take it. I like her. Um <laughs> uh, Don Lemon actually, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh grew a backbone. Did you see his his monologue like at the no, beginning of the show? No. He literally opened his show saying the president of the United States is a racist. And then he like <laughs> went on and talked about him. <laughs> and he had a guest on who was defending Trump. And, 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 and like uh, Lemon said, he was talking about how, how racist it is to say what he said. And the guy's like, look, look, that's just, I, I expect no less coming from you, but that's a lazy argument and blah, blah, blah. And, and Don Lemon's like, whoa, 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 all right, you know what? Let, like, just cut his mic. Get, get rid of this guy. Like, he, <laughs> he had, like, no fucks to give. He's like, look, I'm not even respond to that. But Well, you know, so that I, was I was really proud of him because he's usually, what, like, a terrible journalist. But That was similar to what Jake Tapper did, actually, with Stephen Miller, too. Because, you know, Miller just kept repeating this stupid shit. And, and Tapper was like, I'm done. Just just cut him off. And apparently they had to, like, escort him out with security. He was so pissed <laughs> yeah, off. So I'm like, go CNN, y'all are, y'all yeah, are improving um, your game here. If, if if they could stop, you know, uh, using the Trump administration's talking points regarding Israel, that would be great. But yeah. uh, look, I'll take what I can get from them. I mean, that's yeah. about as good as they've been in 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 a, in a year or so. So <laughs> that, that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, lar- you know, what are you, what are your thoughts on it? Because I mean, largely for me, it, it's like people get way too fucking hung up on, on the terms he used. And I'm like, look guys, like newsflash, he's a fucking racist. Like he has been a racist his entire life. I could point you to about 50 examples. He's fucking racist as shit. Like, yeah, don't get distracted from all the horrible shit he's actually doing to immigrants and to dreamers and to. Well, there's two different different aspects to the story. There's the aspect of, him talking about these people in a pejorative way, you know, negative sense. And then there's the aspect. Yeah. yeah, Then there's the aspect of even using that word and sort of, does that defile the office of the presidency? We've we've not had presidents, you know, out with words like that. But Barack Obama actually said that Libya was a shit show in in, in an off the cuff interview. He was giving to somebody at one point. It was a shit show. (laughs) Well, but that's what I mean. It's like, look, Guys, people are adults. They use adult people words. Swear. Like, get yeah. move fucking past it. Like, you know, look, we, we curse all the fucking time on this show. Like, move past <laughs> what the fuck it. are you talking about? Yeah, right. Um, but no, I. But the, the, so the gist of the, like to me, I didn't really care that he said shithole. Like he's, you know, he's he said wait. He, I mean, he said one year like you know, uh, Merry Christmas to, or, or Happy New Year to all the haters and losers, and uh, yeah. you know, fuck them if they don't like. If it's so, you, like he's a he's a. <laughs> fucking new york you know buffoon so i i don't expect less from him but the substance of what he's saying was fucking racist and that's well, and not anything new for him 
it's offensive because, you know, there are people from these quote unquote shithole countries that are buried in our cemeteries that served our country, you know, that sure. came here, you know, and worked and, you know, wanted the American dream and all of those things. And so it's offensive to, to all of those people. Um, I mean, it's offensive to everyone, really. It, people it way be. smarter and who's contributed way more to society than he ever has. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, um, but yeah, I, I think largely, I, you know, I, I, I get so. What do you expect really, from a guy that like has everything yeah, covered like, in gold? On, guys, this is not this is par for the field. I like, mean, they paint his fucking doors and everything gold. But of course, he's going to think other stuff is a shithole. I mean, he probably would think where we live is a shithole. So, you well, know. you know what? The United States, the, the funniest thing, and then a lot of people have pointed this out. Oh, yeah. Our country is a fucking shithole. Compared to Norway, <laughs> our country is a shithole. You Norway look at has fucking places in Detroit and Flint, and yeah, we've got a lot of really troubled everywhere areas. in the country. I mean, half the country, yeah, fifty percent of the country is poorer in poverty, making under thirty thousand a year. I mean, this country is, you know, the the guy from the UN went to parts of Alabama. He's like, this is the worst poverty I've ever fucking seen. Like, I've I've been to <laughs> third world countries, and there and this poverty is even worse. Like, you know, yeah. in, in in some areas of Alabama, we. In the richest country in the history of the world, we have some of the worst income inequality and some of the worst poverty. Well, and people so, don't realize there are people out there living without plumbing, without electricity, you know, almost like squatting. Without a home, yeah, sure. Yeah, without mean, a home. I mean, all of those things. So, yeah, it's it just, and, you know, we don't see it. Nobody talks about it. But they're, they're, you know, they're there. They exist. And it's good. I was glad the UN did that to, to shine yeah, a light no, on me this. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's just funny because it's like we're we're one of the biggest we're the biggest shithole in the in the developed world. I mean, I, I I think it's hard to argue, you know, when you look at our rankings in terms of uh, health and education and happiness and you know all these but things. But Anthony, like, the stock market's doing really well. <laughs> yeah, no record highs. <laughs> it's fucking great. I have I have Trump supporter. Well, one in particular, couple, but one in particular that's constantly posting the, the stock thing, and I'm just going. Like, do you not realize how little that matters to the bulk of Americans? Like, idiot, that money is not going to you. Like, what do you... <laughs> well, like... in, in this person's case, it is. And so, you know, oh, yeah, well, I, I get fine. that. Yeah, but, um, you know, for most Americans, that's that's not the case. And, and regardless, when you see high after high after high like this in the stock market, there's only one thing that it's indicating. It's a bubble. It's going to burst. Yeah, the it's massive coming. crash is coming. And yeah. so, uh, you know, are, are you going to be dancing and, and posting all of the things when it crashes too? Because that's where we're heading. Um, you know, there's discussion of, oh, all these companies that are going to give pay raises and all of that. And a few of them gave a thousand dollar one-time bonus and then laid off a bunch of people. Uh, Carrier laid off a bunch of people. Uh, Walmart laid off a bunch of people. They closed just, all just the Sam's closed clubs. closed a bunch of Sam's clubs with no yeah. fucking warning to the employee. I mean, just one of the most disgraceful things. Billions of dollars in breaks. So, uh, yep. you know, the whole argument about, you know, stimulating the economy or helping businesses to hire more just went into the complete shitter. And anybody that uses that talking point again, I hope they get fried. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like the top 10% of the country own 84% of the stocks in the United States. So it, it, it to, for that, for people to think that that is any indication of, how our actual economy is doing is, is preposterous because well, you know, the it's other just not. Piece of, <laughs> yeah. The other piece of that is around deregulation. And, and so these businesses are, are so happy because they're going to be able to pollute the environment and, you know, get around all of these rules. Um, great. You can make a few more pennies in profits and, you know, give a few more pennies to your shareholders, but what's the long term on that? 
it, it's really it's short sighted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of uh, horrible oligarchs and people that serve <laughs> uh, billionaires, we you know we talked about Oprah. Uh, running at the beginning of the show. Um, but another person that's running is uh, good old Joe Biden. Um, well, we don't know for uh, sure, but... We, I, I mean, <laughs> he's running. Like, let's be <laughs> what, Why he's running, that's a whole other question. I have my own theory about that he's running so he can step down and be like, well, no, you know, I'm 77 is too old to run. Uh, so then all the establishment media can start writing think pieces about, ooh, well, Joe Biden said he's 77 and he's too old to run. And Bernie Sanders is 78. So what does that mean? Does that mean? <laughs> I, I have this whole theory that they're concocting this this pseudo run for that reason. But that even if be, he, but, you know, look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg or other people that are, you know, in the Supreme Court in their 80s. I mean, look, if they want to go there and they want to make that argument. Great. Hey, Nancy Pelosi. Older than both of them. Fucking retire. Hey, Diane Feinstein pushing 90. Get the fuck yeah. out of office. Like, you know, <laughs> if you want to go the ageist route, we can go there. Um, I don't try. I tend to not go there. Yeah. I talk about policy. But if you want to go there, there's a lot of fucking octogenarians uh, in Congress who haven't had new ideas since, you know, the Gilded Age who are, <laughs> who are occupying progressive district seats that certainly could be filled by somebody better. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But the reason I bring up Biden, um, he's maybe more out of touch than Hillary Clinton. And I, I want to play you a snippet of a little speech he, he or a little talk he did. He's doing a book tour right now. Uh, uh, he wrote a book uh, talking about, you know, that the, his son, you know, died in a tragic way. But uh, he, he's certainly, you know, not shying away from using that to to gin up public interest uh for right. a presidential run like you know as nicely as i can say that i'm trying not to be yeah. a dick about it but yeah um so i, I don't, did you hear this these comments that he made uh, -uh. uh -uh. okay so, so this will be fun um i'm gonna play this for you and then i'm gonna play i i recorded an official response so i'm gonna play that also <laughs> okay and that's a lot of what the book is about the public service that your son did, as well as, as you and your family, his commanding general in Iraq said he expected that your son would be leading the country one day. And yet public service seems now not to be held in very high esteem. No, it's not. And uh, <laughs> no, but it's not just because, I'll be very blunt, it's not just because of our president. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a whole lot of things. I only had two political heroes in my whole life. And this is not new. I've been s said this since 1972, Dr. King and Robert Kennedy. And up to that point, there was a war raging. There was a, a bitter fight over even whether we should talk about the environment. Women were still viewed as second-class citizens and not prepared to have significant jobs, uh, thought that. And uh, we were told uh, the people didn't talk to one another over the war. And uh, we were told, drop out, go out to Haight-Asbury, uh, get engaged. Now, you know, shortly after I graduated in 68, uh, Kent State, 17 kids shot dead. And so the younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. <laughs> no, no. I have no empathy for it. Give me a break. Because here's the deal, guys. We decided we were going to change the world, and we did. 
We did. We finished the civil rights movement to the first stage. The women's movement came into being. So my message is, get involved. There's no place to hide. You can go out and you can make all the money in the world, but you can't build a wall high enough to keep the pollution out. You can't live where you're in a, you, you, you can't not be diminished when your sister can't marry the man or woman or the woman she, she loves. You can't, when you have a good friend being profiled, you can't escape this stuff. And so there's an old expression my philosophy professor would always use about from Plato, the penalty good people favor not being involved in politics is being governed by people worse than themselves. It's wide open. Go out and change it. Now you're embarrassing yourself, you geriatric fuck! So, yeah, that's, pre- that's, pre- <laughs> that's pretty much my thoughts on, <laughs> on Joe Biden, right? Oh, my God, my head wants to explode because it, it's so offensive. And, and what's sad to me is that he believes that it's an inspirational message for the next of generation. Course. He doesn't see that it's a fucking slap in the face that it's basically saying to them that they're not involved, that, you know, that their lives are all easy. Uh, he just has no fucking clue how He's much so harder out of touch. it is for people economically, you know, that come out of school with, you know, extreme debt and student loans and, you know, can never afford a home or a car or any of the things that they had. I mean, were there advancements made, you know, in, in terms of civil rights and women? Yeah. I mean, that's true, but oh I don't my God. know. He stumbles can... so bad through trying to do identity politics. How funny was that? Yeah. And I don't even know that you can necessarily <laughs> credit that to a specific generation's work. I mean, it, it sort of evolved over time. And actually, He's talking about, you know, the 60s and 70s and, and women being second class citizens. My mom worked during that entire time. She had an amazing career. Lots of women did. I'm not saying it was the same, you know, as it is now or, or even the way well, did that you it catch what be. he said? Did you catch what? what he said? He's like, oh, well, during that time and, you know, women weren't prepared for the jobs. And then yeah. he's like, oh, well, at least I mean, I think that was a perception. He doesn't he is so fucking bad at this. I don't know why people think he's a good <laughs> Because it's Grandpa Joe and because there's a million memes of him joking around with or, you know, pretending whatever people think he's joking around. That is a fictional character that people created and people think that that's how he actually is. He is a fucking creepy, centrist, gropey fucking lunatic who does not belong anywhere near the presidency. Uh, I agree completely. Some of the pictures that I've seen, I can't even believe where he has his hands on children and other things. It's bad. I mean, I would, you know, imagine that anyone could just completely bury him with that shit. Um, you uh, know, only that the media chooses not to. Yeah. So uh, Eve Pizer, one of my favorite writers, she <laughs> writes for Vice. Uh, she wrote a little article over it. Vice today. Uh, I'm just going to read a little excerpt from it because it actually speaks to some of the numbers about what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, Bi- Biden trashes millennials in his quest to become even less likable. <laughs> um <laughs> In an apparent effort to make himself an even less appealing 2020 contender, former Vice President Joe Biden had some harsh words for millennials while promoting his new book on Wednesday. Uh, So she went through the excerpt, uh, and then she uh, took it line by line. So the younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. I have no empathy for it. Give me a break. Uh, But then she responds, a January 2017 uh, analysis of Federal Reserve data 
found that millennials who are better educated than baby boomers and more productive, by the way, you know, in terms <laughs> of productivity. No, I, I like an actual measurable productivity, you know, yeah. product. If minimum wage had kept up with productivity, it'd be up to twenty one dollars an hour right now. Right. Um, so uh, have a median household income of forty thousand dollars, forty thousand five hundred eighty one dollars, meaning they earn 20 percent less than boomers did when they were our age. Uh, we're crippled with student debt to the point where home ownership is a pipe dream. Uh, so here's the deal, Joe. I'll give you a break if you give me some money. Um, yeah, this whole idea that like, we, oh, we wanted to change the world and we did. What What the fuck are you talking about? Like what? You authored the crime bill like people you know, pin that on <laughs> Hillary and kind of rightfully so. But he authored that bill. Fucking Joe Biden, most out of touch right wing Democrat you could fucking imagine. And it shows when he tries to talk about, well, you know, and your 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 sister can marry whatever guy or girl, or, or I mean, you're you know, she he can marry <laughs> she can marry who she wants, and he can't even do identity politics right. That's like the only <laughs> thing that the fucking centrists have that they claim that we don't have, even though you know we actually care about those issues, right? Um, and you know, it, but yeah, her article's pretty good. You should you should go through it. But yeah, just the fucking the the fucking greatest generation baby boomer fucking arrogance of like, oh well, we did all this stuff, and I have no sympathy for you, and you're all a bunch of pampered. Fuck you, motherfucker. You're the reason that our economy is the way it is. You're the reason that our politics are the way they are. All the shit you and your fucking corporate corporatist fucking rich buddies did have destroyed this fucking country. Like it it it. The only way he could have gone further would have been to call millennials delicate snowflakes. I mean, he yeah. was just, he was right there. He was talking like a fucking right winger. Like he <laughs> yeah. really was like, fuck you, Joe Biden. So I'm just really sick of prior generation shitting on, you know, later generations. I mean, they did it with Gen X, you know, they're doing it with millennials. Um, you know, when they figure out the odds or whatever they're going to call them, you know, they're next. There's a name um, for them. I forget what it is, but yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, this is a constant thing. And, and what they're not understanding is that that's just part of, it's part of life. A younger generation goes through different things. They like different music. You get older, things seem different to you. It's just, that's, that's life. It doesn't mean they your generation the was better. They deal with the shit that you left for them, the, the mess that you left them to clean up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean your generation was better or worked harder or anything else. And yeah, I'm really sick of that uh, entire line of thinking. You know, the silver lining, though, is that I don't see Gen Xers doing that to millennials. I only see baby boomers doing that to everyone below that's them. That's true. So that's I, true. Because I think people... We had it happen to us. That's why. <laughs> well, yeah. Gen Xers and younger, we all realize... Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, you know, millennial and you're more on the yeah. Gen Xer side, right? But I, uh, I let's think point that out. Let's, let's just... Really... <laughs> no, <sorry. laughs> you're fired, no, you say... ageist. <laughs> <laughs> but I say that to... to uh, you know, indicate we're all in the same boat because the the gravy train stopped after the fucking coked out, you know, Reaganomics of the eighties, <laughs> everyone who had to deal with the fallout of that, trying to make a living, uh, who didn't already have a job, you know, I mean, you know, our, people like our, in our parents' generation, uh, got jobs out of high school that paid them, you know, uh, the equivalent of like a hundred thousand dollars a year, like, you know, yeah. in, in today's money. Yeah. That doesn't fucking exist anymore. We can't get jobs for fucking minimum wage. Yeah, no matter with college what you degrees, know. <laughs> some people I know. Like yeah. truthfully, like 
So, uh, you know, it, it's just this whole idea is a fucking farce. And, you know, anytime, I, it makes me nuts when I hear an older person say something like, oh, well, you kids are all living at home. Yeah, because you wrecked the fucking economy. Thanks a fucking <laughs> lot. You know, <laughs> thanks yeah. a lot. You, 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 let, you let the fucking billionaires run away with our democracy and in the process rig an economy to the point where nobody can get ahead. Literally. I, I mean, it's well, just, uh, it makes me nuts. I don't see enough criticism of Biden. I've talked about this before on the podcast about. He's horrible. Know, from Delaware, you know, a lot of financial services companies, MBNA and other, you know, big uh, banks and stuff were from there. And he lobbied on their behalf, you know, heavily, um, you know, for various legislation. And so, you know, he's definitely in bed with the moneyed interests. Um, he's, he's not what we need. He's not what America needs. No, he's absolutely not. And I, and I think uh, if he does really try to make a run of it, a lot of that's going to come out during the primary. So, you know, I know I'll be you, screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're asking you're asking for this, Joe. You really want to do this? Like, you know, you know, you know, your fucking background, you know, your record. If you really want to go down me. this road, I'll we take over first. Road. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't need to settle for Oprah. We have so many other options. I would take a lot of shittier (laughs) options. I would take Cory fucking Booker over Oprah at this point, truthfully. I mean, oh, I I don't know about that. I think he's soulless. I I think she. Oh, he is soulless. He's fucking horrible. But (laughs) I mean, Oprah. uh, Probably make fucking (laughs) healing crystals part of the fucking national formulary. Like, I I really. Maybe we need that. Her, her, her science lack of scientific knowledge and her giving platform to idiot like anti-vaxxers like uh jenny mccarthy and like you know people like dr phil and people dr. like dr Oz. Oz. <laughs> like just these grifters of the fucking highest order like it, it it's so damaging to because she has such a big platform that i think that immediately for me disqualifies her i mean that that to me alone is just reprehensible well, what about and, the book club <laughs> <laughs> yeah book club where she pushes things like the secret which is some fucking <laughs> you know, neoliberal new age bullshit about how if you think that money is going to come to you, it'll come to you and you're just blocking money with your, with your negative energy. Like, you're not a manifester, Anthony. You're not a manifester. Yeah. Like, you know, like fuck off with this fucking aspirationist bullshit. Like this is, it's so. See, I'm so down with that. I love it. (laughs) It's horseshit. You know it's horseshit. Come on. You know it's horseshit though. Put out prosperity. Prosperity comes back. It's karma. Yeah, fucking prosperity. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just get Joel Osteen in as the fucking Secretary <laughs> of Treasury, Mister Prosperity Gospel. Give him all your money, and it'll come back to you tenfold. I don't know. Like, those I will are the kinds say, of people she associates with. I will say, I believe in my life. Changing my mindset has changed my life. So whatever you want to put well, that to, the there's secret certainly or, something you know. to having a positive attitude. Uh, like I'm not gonna, you know, say that that's not important, but. I think the larger message of that that book is damaging because it, it basically is blaming you for your lack of upward mobility when it's like, no, the the fucking society is hard. Like I'm not. It's not saying. Well, yeah. There's no question things are stacked against you. But like, yeah. There's but no I, question things I, are. Yeah. And I think it's super easy for someone like Oprah to embrace that message because she has a gajillion fucking dollars. But you know, well, <laughs> for someone. Attribution. What do you attribute your success to? You know, do you attribute it, you know, Republicans typically attribute it to their hard work. And so they think that, you know, other people aren't working as hard. Um, you know, other people might Which is hilarious. attribute it to other things. But, you know, at the end of the yeah. day, a lot of people don't acknowledge the the 
large extent to which luck plays a role in all of it. <laughs> of course. Circumstance you're born into, luck. I mean, the hardest working people I know are working the lowest wages, lowest wage jobs, get like just beating their bodies to death for yep. bullshit, you know, job, not, you know, bullshit in terms of their importance in the world. And it's like, that's the only job that they can get. And it's like, this is not the society that we were promised. This is not the American dream, you know, like, uh, well, um, you know, <laughs> since we're talking about shitty Democrats, we might as well talk about the uh, the FISA reauthorization, uh, <laughs> which uh, what were we at fifty five, sixty? Yeah, I, I think sixty five Democrats uh, voted to reauthorize the, the FISA, which basically allows for uh, unlimited warranted wiretap, warrantless rather wiretapping. Um, it, it supposedly says that, you know, you have to be spying on a foreign agent or somebody speaking with a foreign agent, even if they're an American, uh, on American soil. So number one, super unconstitutional is one of the, uh, most controversial parts of the Patriot Act. And Edward Snowden in his disclosure exposed that they were completely abusing the FISA warrants. I mean, it was just a rubber stamp. He said he's never seen exactly a FISA warrant get rejected in, in, in the, however many years he was working with the NSA. It's just... It's a rubber well, it's stamp. Not, it's a It's not court. an adversarial system. I mean, this is the problem with, you know, grand juries and, and other aspects of our justice system. There needs to be someone arguing the other side at all times. And when you don't have that, you're going to have people's rights stamped on. Yeah. And of course, they didn't want it to be an adversarial system. They wanted yeah. it to be a rubber stamp because they were just like, um, so it's super unconstitutional. Uh and to their credit, a lot of libertarian Republicans realized that and were like, wow, this is super unconstitutional. Uh, nearly everybody hates the Patriot Act. Like, it's a very unpopular <laughs> uh, bill. Uh, so a bunch of Republicans voted against it. So it's like, great. You know, that takes care of the majority uh, that they hold in the House. So it is obviously going to get voted down, not reauthorized. <laughs> but no, 65 fucking Democrats voted for it. If 24 Democrats out of those 65 shitty ones had voted against it, uh, it wouldn't have passed. But once again, fucking Democrats bringing you shit that the Republicans can only dream of. It's like, if you want to talk about. Case, they could make a case that they had actually caught someone, you know, or, or prevented terrorist acts, you know, multiple. I still wouldn't be, be like, well, okay. I still will not be willing to authorize it. Actually. I, I think that's a slippery slope. I think that's a really slippery slope because they've well, I think done in that before with. In combination with an adversarial system, I, I think I'd be okay with that. I'd rather have them catch people, but, but the problem is they can't even show that. So you got nothing. No, I, I agree. Zero I know. success. But I, but I think that's also not within the spirit of the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. And you know, you as Mrs. Former Republican, you should be with me on this one. Um, but no, that, I mean seriously, that's where my civil libertarian streak comes in. Like I, I think that's that's uh, you know I, I fucking hate guns in this country, but I do understand that the Second Amendment provides some protection for guns. Now, obviously I disagree with the extent to which people abuse it, but that doesn't mean I think it shouldn't go away. It should go away. I don't think it should. Right. I mean, I, I, I believe, you know, so, and, and the same goes for the fourth amendment. I think it certainly uh, should apply to this uh, situation and most constitutional lawyers agree, but of course the federal government is fucking totally in the pocket slash terrified of the uh, intelligence community or the right. deep state, if you want to call it that, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And fucking Nancy Pelosi, her stellar leadership as usual, was one of the yes votes, along with <laughs> Mr. Resistance, Adam Schiff. Um, you know, what's crazy to me, Adam Schiff, is that you're so fucking terrified of Trump being a, a puppet of Putin and that he's compromised and that this administration is the puppet government of Russia, yet you just voted to expand his surveillance powers, his unchecked, right. unlimited surveillance powers. Those two things can't combine. So either A, you're a fucking grifter and a liar, and you're just using this as a way to boost your national prominence, uh, this whole Trump is a Russian puppet thing, or um, you, you, you don't believe that. Or, or, or I'm sorry, well, you do believe that, but you, you're fucking... Like, there's, I, some there, there's kind no of war. trust... Yeah, if there's some sort of trust in the intelligence services that they won't use this for ill, I, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> I, I believe that it's clear that they've already used it. I think, you know, some of, of the shit that's coming out, you know, since Trump got in, I believe has come from um, that kind of spying and, you know, and looking at their uh, political opponents. So, I, I mean, I don't get it, um, you know, and who knows what barrel they've all been put over or who has what information on them that, that made them do this. I mean, a lot of Americans look at it and they go, oh, well, I don't have anything to hide. So, you know, what should I care? But you know, that's beside the point. The point is that you have a right to privacy and um, they've when overreached. Edward Snowden has a great quote about that. He said, saying that I don't need privacy because I don't have anything to hide is like saying I don't need free speech because I don't have anything to say. It's not the point that you don't have anything to hide now. It's, it's that that's your right. You have a right, a constitutional right to privacy, just like you have a constitutional right to free speech. And that right is there for when you need it. It's not there for when you don't need it, because then it wouldn't be an issue. If you, if you didn't have anything uh, politically interesting to say, then you wouldn't need that right, you know, but right, like right. when you need to actually speak truth to power or, or speak against injustices, that's why those things exist. And if, if you don't have that, you don't have a democracy, you have, uh, you have, you know, fascism, you have a tyranny, like you're living in a tyrannical government. Like that's, that's the whole point of those things to prevent tyranny. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're slowly marching towards it. Um, I wonder if Schiff just, or anyone, you know, have gotten letters to that effect, you know, holding their feet to the fire and saying, I'm what sure. the fuck are you doing? I, I'd like to think so, but I well, don't they're know. Getting it on, they're certainly getting it on Twitter. I've seen you know, quite a bit of, uh, <laughs> even you? from like, even from like the resistors, like I see them being like, dude, yeah. what the fuck? Like, uh, <laughs> I think enough of these things are going to happen to the point where they're going to wake up and realize we're not just a bunch of lunatic purists who hate the Democrats. They're going to be like, oh, wow, maybe these guys actually were on to something when they were talking about <laughs> how shitty the Democrats are. Well, there's definitely um, agreements on some issues with, you know, I don't know whether you'd call it real progressives and, you know people that you think aren't in the resistance or whatever. Um, you know, yeah. I think, I think there are some, you know, good people on all sides of this, some well-intended people, well-intentioned people. Um, well, I always, I mean, I always say that the absolute morons we argue with like that, that blue check author that blocked me the other day. Cause I totally destroyed him in an argument <laughs> and he kept saying things like speak up son. And I'm like, okay, okay. What, what does that even mean, bro? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, because I destroyed his argument and then I made him feel bad. So he, about his shitty book. So he blocked me, but, um, <laughs> uh, people like that obviously have an amplified voice because they're, uh, pseudo celebrities or they're, they're they have an elevated voice. They're blue checks. So they're, considered important by Twitter. So they have a bigger megaphone. Right. Um, that's a very small sliver of the populace. And I, and I talked to Sarah Smith about this and she 
largely said that when she knocks doors, like even people that would not call themselves progressives, people that are just your run of the mill Democrats agree with us on most of these issues. I mean, you know, we talk about how 80% of the democratic party supports single payer. It's like the, the large majority of people who consider themselves left wing support all the policies we support. They just don't know enough about the Democratic Party to know that those people are diametrically opposed to these things. And it's not their fault because the mainstream media just doesn't tell you those things. They, it's their job to pretend like that's not the case. I mean, and if you don't, well, if yeah. you're not a young person, you know, they, hi- they out, highlight centrist, they highlight centrist voices, you know, and, and neoliberals, and they don't give a lot of voice to progressives. And so the people that, you know, don't pay as close attention believe that they are as liberal as they could get based on what they see on MSNBC or CNN. They think that that's what they are. They don't, they haven't even heard the alternative in a lot of cases. Yeah. So, and I, and I would say that our, our, our audience who I'm sure skews very heavily left, like try to reach out to not on Twitter. Cause fuck those people. Like, you know, they're, they're <laughs> most of them are, are horrible fucking paid <laughs> Well, no, honestly, most of them are grifters like the Eric Garland's of the world there. You're not going to reach them. But <laughs> your 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 aunt who, you know, makes eighty thousand dollars a year and it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Hillary Clinton was great. She was super progressive. Don't don't like because I, I, I have the reflexive like, oh, God, what are you fucking talk? But don't do that. Like talk to them and explain to them why we know the things that we know and why we feel the way we feel about people like that. Well, and I think talk to them listen to them, listen to them even before you go in with an agenda, because very often if you listen, that, that will help you to, you know, be able to hone your message for whatever it is that they think they believe in. They think they're supporting, um, you know, you can give them the real information around it. Yeah. And like, I know a lot of us are super informed. Try not to get condescending because it's, (laughs) it's certainly something I fall into. Oh my God. I just like that got in a big fight the other day you know me with the mmt people and you know they just the the cult of mmt and it's like great great message but wrong approach listening right now yeah wrong approach go ahead and give me the hate mail too but um you know going and and poly bent on twitter (laughs) on every fucking forum on every post i do and saying go watch this youtube video about mmt so you can really understand why (laughs) blah blah i mean they do it everywhere and and i guess there was some sort of a thing that happened within that community. I don't know if it's just real progressives or, you know, other groups outside of that. And I know they're big on NMT, but it was like, learn about this. And then your job effectively, it's like evangelical, go spread the word, spread the good word. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, dear God, yeah. if one more of you fucking people tells me to watch a YouTube video to explain economics to me, like I'm going <laughs> to scream. I really am. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I have complicated feelings on MMT. I think it's I, 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 like I get it, but you're never going to sell the mass, the vast majority of Americans on it. I think we can much more sell people on like, look, this money exists already. We fucking spend it on horse shit. We have a, a military budget bigger than the next eight countries combined. Like this money exists. We're already paying for this shit. We just need to say, look, stop pissing that money away as a, as a jobs program for the military industrial complex and put it into things that actually fucking help us like education and healthcare and infrastructure and green energy and things that 
would actually help Americans. Like that's, that's the well, argument that everyone can get behind, I think. And I agree truthfully. with that. And I actually think that's, that's the true progressive message. I think it's a more progressive message than, oh, look, we don't have to stop paying the military industrial complex because we can just keep printing money. No, you know, we need to stop that regardless of, you know, whatever our other agenda is. We're, we're spending too much there, you know, as it is. Yeah. You're never going to win over a fiscally responsible people who consider themselves a fiscally responsible Democrat, uh, let alone a fiscally responsible Republican with a message of we can just print more money. Like, I'm sorry, it's not people have checkbooks that they balance. Right. And so that's the the analogy that is the closest to what they can understand, which is you can't just, you know, keep adding money to it Um, at some point there. There would be a breaking point. But um, I guess I need to go watch more YouTube videos. (laughs) God, LaDonna, if you just watch this video, it explains to you. And look, I'm not even saying you guys are wrong. Like, I've watched some of those videos, and I get it. But I I still just don't think that that's a message you can sell. And, like, we're always looking around, looking at ways we can message our our progressive platform and our progressive ideas. That ain't the way. Like, I'm sorry. It's Not being condescending and not, yeah. Not, um, yeah, not even the way they say. It. I just mean the the whole concept. I'm like, it's just not a marketable concept. Like, y- you need to work towards things like that. If well, you most really, people you know. don't even think about economics in that way. They think about you know what what's their balance in their their bank account? Can they buy food this week? Can they afford that car payment or whatever? They're they're not thinking in the you know in the grand scheme of things that way. Most people, um, there's a yeah. there's a cult of MMT. <laughs> there just is. <laughs> Yeah. So um, before we get out of here, I just, we'll, we'll get to the uh, the weekly sex assault roundup. But I also just want to play another uh, another clip because uh, it's from our, our good, good pal Alex Jones, and uh, he's something. I, I'll play the clip and we'll talk about it. I, I, he might be losing his fucking mind. I mean, you know, not that that's not something that's happened already, but yeah, this yeah. is a new we'll, level. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, hell on earth. He wants to run your life. He wants to control every aspect of your life because he knows. Oh, and I should say, uh, he has a picture of uh, a very unflattering picture of CNN host Brian Stelter on the screen <laughs> behind him as he's doing this. Uh, the most milk toast of all the CNN hosts. So, I mean, it, it, if anyone you want to go, all right, so I'll play the clip. We'll come back and talk about it. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, hell on earth. He wants to run your life. He wants to control every aspect of your life because he knows he is a cowardly, degenerate sack of anti-human trash. I pledge before my heavenly Father that I I, 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 I that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. Look at him, and you know what? He is better than you if you keep letting him run your life. He runs your kids. He runs the schools. He runs the banks. This guy, this spirit, this smiling, leering devil that thinks you can't see what he is. He is your enemy. Period. All the narcissistic devil worshiping filth. I see you, enemy. I see you, enemy. 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 You are my enemy. And I swear total resistance to you with everything I've got. 
There's more. Disingenuous, fake, false, broke back, <laughs> twisted, <laughs> a defiler, a betrayer, a backstabber, a devil. <laughs> you will pay. Yeah, you think I don't see your face, scum? You don't think I don't see you, Stelter? I see you. You understand me? I know what you think of me and my family. I see you right back. You understand that? You understand that, Stelter? Stilter. You will fall. You will not bring humanity down. God is going to destroy you. Get him off the screen. Oh, God, they're so evil. Just please, God, free us from them. So... That's By the some way, in the video, he's like, <laughs> he's like having a heart attack at the end of that video. If you watch the actual, thing. I was so confused watching it. I was like, "Is this a sex thing? Is this a steroid thing? Is I don't know what is happening." Ah, <laughs> like, oh, God, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> well, okay, so I saw that, but I don't know what precipitated it. Do we, like, do you know? He just decided he didn't like him, or did he say something? <laughs> um, I'm not really sure. Uh, truthfully, I'm sure he said something that <laughs> it seemed like so personal, though. Like, you know, totally like my family. I don't even think about my family, my kid. <laughs> Stelter. Well, and if anyone that, sounded that was like, like a great Ultimate Warrior promo, like that really. Was. If anyone sounded like a devil, like it was him. <laughs> If there was anything satanic so, happening, it was on that side. A lot of people were like, this is concerning because <laughs> he is really, like, towing the line of, like, uh, you know, they run the, he runs the banks, he runs your schools. Uh, there's some real, like, thinly veiled anti-Semitic uh, propaganda in there, and it's like... Is he Jewish? But, I don't know. Is well, he's not, but I don't know that Alex Jones knows that he's not. Right. And he also has like a Jewish wife, and I think they're raising their kids Jewish. So, okay. Okay. you know, cl close enough for Alex right. Jones, I guess. But, um, and, and, you know, part of the clip that gets cut off before that, but he actually said something about how these people are drinking, drinking your children. They want to drink your children's blood and all this <laughs> shit, which is hilarious. But then Jank uh, uh, on TYT, when they were covering this, pointed out, that's actually like a trick of the Nazis that there's something called blood libel where they basically spread this propaganda that Jews drink uh, the blood of children. And that was like one of the things that they would that the pieces of like, you know, fake news, for lack of a better term. That, well, there is another component uh, to that, that, that celebrities are actually it's not drinking it, but being injected with the blood of well, Peter people. Thiel is. is yeah, is, is yeah. actually a vampire. He, he's but, but I himself. don't know. <laughs> but I don't think that's what he was talking no. about. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? Um. I, I, dude, what the fuck? Like, that was just, that was... I don't know what drugs he's doing. <laughs> and I'd say I want it, but I don't want to go there either, so... Probably the like... same drugs Eric Garland's doing, if I had to guess. Like, they're... they're... <laughs> They, they probably have the same Adderall dealer. They just, you know, they just line up the rails and then they, you know, bump them all and then they go do their shows or Eric Garland, you know, gets on his fucking, <laughs> you know, his shit fucking tweet storms and then... Game theory. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. No, that was that was classic. I, I actually will probably. That was one of my just... favorite 
I might watch that every morning just to pump me up. <laughs> that's that's I right know. up there with 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 the uh, the 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 lesbians thing that he did. That you know where they where they want to they want to take your they want to take the top of your skull off and they like move your through. That you did a pretty good impression lunatic. of him. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny actually? Joe Rogan uh, is like friends with him. He, like he knows he's a fucking lunatic, but he's like friends with him i think because he's amused by him yeah uh he does the best alex jones impersonation i was listening to an old episode of joe rogan's podcast the other day seriously if you haven't heard that go google like joe rogan alex jones impersonation it is spot on like it's fucking spot on it's crazy well i look at alex Um, jones as a character like colbert's character was when he you know was on comedy central I thought that, but Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan is a lot of things, but dishonest is not one of them. He's like, look, guys, I know I've known him for 20 years. He is that fucking nuts. Like he's not <laughs> playing a character. And I, I tend to believe Joe Rogan because he's like a no bullshit guy. Like when he has people on, you know, he'll talk to whoever. But he's like, look, that's who he is. Like he's, you know, he's not a bad guy off off air, but he <laughs> is a lunatic. Like he believe he talks to me all the time about Black Hawk helicopters circling him and shit. Oh my God. So, Can you imagine yeah. being that far down the rabbit hole? I mean, I've seen this and I've I mean, seen this the with guy progressives. And kids. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen this with progressives going loony. down that. And it's funny because I, I used to have a friend that said, you know, the left and right were going so far, you know, that, that eventually they were going to meet and it actually happened. It actually happened where, where people on the left suddenly, you know, H.A. Goodman and, and some others, they, they went so far that they went to the other side. And I, don't, I didn't I even mean, think that was to possible. Be fair. <laughs> Those those people, uh, you know, I I, I I think some people on Twitter uh, have coined the term Pepe aggressives. Right. Uh, they're not really left. I mean, H.A. Goodman does more shilling for the Trump administration. People like Zach Haller. Yeah. I'm sure I'm burning some bridges with some of our listeners. I don't really give a fuck. Fuck those people. Like, they're I'm entertained they're by it. I watch it. You know, I listen to, you know, lots of different viewpoints and things. So I, I watch it and then I go like QAnon they're talking about and some of the things that it's just like what is going on and and all of them both sides well, the, you know, but, republicans and democrats they're all like waiting for this big payday where they think you know Mueller's going to come get everyone or you know and and yeah. you know on one side they think it's going to be hillary and the other side they think it's going to be trump none of that shit's going to happen i mean yeah there'll be some small you know lower level people you know like You'll we've seen so far yeah exactly they'll get some of those people but it would tear our government apart for any of these high level people to get put away it's not going to happen it's just not i wish it i wish it did i wish they all no, fucking went away they're all corrupt but you know but, everybody needs to relax and you know go smoke a joint and like move on no but in terms of those left people who are really right like the the zach hollers of the world like here's a here's a good rule of thumb if they're all talking about what a shitty fucking shill Bernie is, they're probably not really progressive. Like, I'm sorry. You know, I, well, I and I've said plenty. I understand that well, gonna- holding Bernie accountable for. Um, oh, no, I do, too. Yeah. But that's you know, different for- than being like, oh, fuck him. He's a shill. He's sell. He's a Democratic part. Like, that's what you hear from these people. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a there's a movement of people that feel like after Bernie's meeting with Obama that. You know, he came out looking like he'd seen a ghost and everything changed. And I don't know you know, what truth there is to any of that or what he might have heard in that kind of a meeting. Maybe he was just feeling not well that day. <laughs> Who knows? You know, he he has played the game with the establishment, um, maybe more so than others would have liked. But 
Yeah. I, I think, you know, he's certainly been in politics long enough to, you know, know what he needs to do. And so I trust and his we judgment. we criticize him for that, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, on a whole, I trust his judgment. I think he's playing a long game here. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that and, I mean, and that's the difference. Like, we, we criticize Bernie all the time, and I, I say I'm far to the left of Bernie. He's, like, basically my compromise candidate. But, <laughs> um, but um, to say that he has ill intentions or that he's an establishment plant is like ridiculous because they can't fucking stand him. So he's not doing a very good job of that. If he, right. if that's what, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, guys, you gotta like, under, and look, he might be our most progressive option in 2020. So like, if he is, uh, I certainly would want a Bernie presidency a lot more than a fucking Cory Booker presidency or another four years of fucking Trump. Like, yeah. you know, and if I mean, Bernie I'm wins and takes on a progressive VP, I mean, sky's yeah. the limit. I'm still cynical enough that I kind of feel like either side, we wind up with the same shit anyway. So, you know, part of why I'd like well, to mostly. see a Bernie presidency is to see if that would actually be different. He's the only one that's really called out the, the corporatism and so on. So, you know, I'd like to see that. But it, it just feels like either party, we wind up with the same old bullshit. Case in point, Democrats voting, you know how they did so you know i don't know if he's ready but he's doing such good work i would love to see ro Khanna get to a point where he's prominent enough to you know jo join bernie on like a ticket i think that or maybe happen. you know yeah. in 2024 like he's fucking killing it right now like as far as progressives in congress like you know and tulsi's great but ro Khanna, i see him all the time out there leading on issues um i i think he's doing a great job um, he's got a good media game too and social media is strong yeah. yeah I mean that's which is super important when you're running against somebody like Trump who actually for all the shit he didn't know how to do did that a lot better than Hillary did you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what was that Hillary tweet tweet tell me about how you feel about our healthcare system in three emojis or less <laughs> people are like yo shut the fuck up you're, you're blowing it like shut the fuck up um, like her supporters even were like, yo, just, yeah, you no, can't help but think if she just kept her mouth shut that entire campaign, she would have done better than she wound up. But well, I, I talked about that start, how she literally, uh, Got her worse. poll numbers have never, her, have <laughs> never gone up in an election ever like that. She's running. <laughs> she's always started off pretty high and she's never had a higher approval rating than when she's entered a race, which means that every time she opens her mouth, her poll numbers go down. It's not, you know, it's a yeah. fact. Like she, she's, <laughs> she's fucking repulsive to people. So every time she opens her mouth uh, and gives a speech, people are like, Oh God, wow. She's a fucking robot and horrible. And like, I would never vote for her. Yeah. So yeah, she would be better off just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, an, I'm announcing my bid for presidency and then running off to the <laughs> woods and then coming back out, you know, the yeah. day of the election. Um, but let's get into the, uh, the, the weekly sex assault roundup. Cause we, we got to get out of here. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, let's just get into that. So, um, yeah, we've actually had a few weeks where we didn't have to do this because it was it was pretty quiet. Um, 
Do we even add Trump like any... for the uh, the whole prostitute thing? I guess he's already on the I mean, list. He's, so he doesn't he's in the count. he's in the theme song. I mean, come on, he's you know he's kind of a permanent member. He's in the Hall of Fame. Of this yeah. list. Um, but no, uh, so there were a couple this week. Uh, it seems like anytime there's some big release coming out or some awards show, these things crop up. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe rightfully so because these people are gonna are in the spotlight, and it's like uh, it for victims. That's a whole new. That's yeah, like it's a revictimization. Yeah. Yeah, re- yeah, that's what I was looking for. Um, so James Franco, uh, who won, I believe, the Golden Globe for like best actor in a comedy for uh, the disaster artist. Um, a bunch of people are like, yo, uh, nice me too pin. Remember, or <laughs> nice times up pin. Remember when you fucking sexually assaulted me on a film set or like, you know, like there, there were like yeah. four or five different accusations and it was like, whoa, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, just... I have watched him for a little while. I kind of had a minor crush on him for a little while. And I was like, this was not a surprise to me having, having seen. He's a creepy, weird kind of guy. I mean, you know, the, the texts that he's had with the 16 year old in New York city and, you know, other stuff that I do 17, but yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. Did with Lindsay Lohan and the, uh, uh, hotel in, uh, Beverly Hills. I mean, just, there've been lots and lots of stories of him over the years. Um, you know, stories that he's bisexual, which, you know, but also just stories that he, um, you know, is a man whore. Yeah, it's a man whore. And so um, he gets around. Yeah, he gets Which around. Which is fine if it's consensual. And exactly. But there seems seems to be a, a little bit of a lack of consent in some of these situations. Right. And a power dynamic, um, you know, which has yeah. been called out too. But, but yeah, he, this one was not at all a surprise to me. It was actually more of a surprise to me that it even made news because I thought it was kind of old news. So I guess, you know, new people coming forward, you know, that made it make sense. And certainly the people that, feel they have been victimized by him seeing him out there, you know, uh, you know, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, sitting there like he's all supportive of the movement when he's been an offender, you know, that had to upset some people. Yeah. Yeah, um, You know, a lot of the accusations stemmed around kind of pressuring uh, actresses into sex who were, or into doing like nude scenes in his films. Like he's, you know, he makes these art films uh, that may or may not even get released. They might just be for his own, you know, benefit. Uh, but he also ran like a school. So he would have his students or, and, you know, be, act in, act in these art films and he'd like pressure them into doing, you know, like sex scenes with him, things like that. Coincidentally, they need to be naked the entire time. Yeah. Just uh, a couple of them, a couple of them. I mean, this is getting graphic and into it, but you know, they, they, like for those scenes that they shoot, they have like these little plastic, like dividers so you you don't actually have to you know bump uglies or whatever <laughs> the, the <term laughs> thank you is. for that <laughs> um and apparently he like just removed it a couple times without like the women's consent and like oh, wow. just was like you know doing it for real so which is like kind of rapey um you know uh kind of yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's pretty rapey. And, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm sure his defense would be like, oh, well, they didn't, you know, they, they were into it or, like, they weren't opposed. But it's like, well, dude, you're, like, their teacher and, like, a super powerful Hollywood actor. And they think their whole career hinges on, you know, having you like them. And, well, you know, I mean, you're, you're clearly taking porn, advantage of that. If you're doing a porn film and the whole thing, you know, you're going to have safe sex and then suddenly you, you know take off a condom or whatever i mean that is yeah and this is even worse than that yeah yeah that it you know i don't even 
problematic doesn't even begin to describe it because you're potentially exposing people to diseases and all sorts of other shit. So yes, it, I would say. But it doesn't even be on that because they didn't. That this wasn't even like a porn movie. This is like a legitimate movie where they were simulating all these things, and all of right. a sudden it was like, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there was that. There were some people who said they, you know, he took advantage of them. So. Uh, he uh, has obviously retreated from public life. He was supposed to be at the uh, the Critics' Choice Awards. He, he didn't make an appearance, even though he won an award, which is super fucking awkward because yeah. uh, nobody clapped. It was like, oh, wow. I, like, guys, I know we voted on this a month ago, but could we not, like, call an emergency revote? I, you know, I have such a problem with people like him because I think he's smart and I think he's talented. And you would think that there would be just no reason why he would have to do that. You would think, uh, you know, he that doesn't. he could get yeah. all of the women that he would possibly want, you know, consensually. I'm sure lots of women would be like, yeah, hell yeah. So it, it doesn't even make sense other than the, the, the power dynamic and, you know, the idea. And saying of, like he's an ugly fuck like Harvey Weinstein. No, like he's a he's really cute. good looking guy. Like yeah. he could get any girl that he wanted, but it's yeah. just people enjoy that power dynamic. That seems to be a common theme among these dudes is like, they just enjoy having this power and like using it to get whatever they want. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Um, another one, and it's less, uh, clear than this one, but, uh, Stan Lee of all people came up last week. Uh, did you see the story? No. Oh, okay. So Stan Lee, you know, creator of Marvel comics and, you know, the thousand year old uh sage old wizard what day did this Yoda come out because i missed this one too it well you know it was very quiet and it was only one basically one of his maids say that they he's walked around like naked and tried to uh, like uh, like pressure them into like you know do it like dude's 95 years old like it, if this is true yeah it's gross but like I, at 95 are all his mental faculty i, I don't know i like i, I don't want to make that excuse it's, but like it's tough yeah those kind it's of... it's not it's clearly not the same as like the james Fred. you know it's like <laughs> i mean this dude is 95 years old like anyone at that age and and well the other thing is like his estate is claiming like this is uh an extortion attempt by one maid and like they can prove it and all this stuff so i think that's why it didn't get as much play because it's like yeah one accuser and that could and be. you know and it certainly could be true, um, but I think it needs to certainly be investigated. Um, well, you know, you sent me the clip earlier, Liam Neeson, and, um, you know, oh it, it was an, uh, let's say, interesting take Foot in mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard because I, I see what he's saying, right? Um, but it, it doesn't doesn't come out right because it sounds like he's I, diminishing some of what happened. It also sounds like he's not really aware of all of the accusations. I mean, the things that he said yeah. about Dustin Hoffman, it, it appeared to me he wasn't... He talked about the play, but he didn't talk about other allegations of him just whipping it out, you know, and being yeah. naked around people and, you know, all of those other things. He talked about things relative to a play. So he may not even have all the information, but but for those of you that didn't hear it, um, it he was basically saying that there's a witch hunt happening, you know, now in Hollywood and, and potentially other places, you know, with, you know, for, for harassment and assault and all of these things. And I don't necessarily disagree with him, but the problem is that it, it, it's he a witch hunt. He phrased it horribly. He did, but it's a witch hunt when there are actual witches. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. the idea of a witch hunt was that, you know, witches didn't exist. But the thing in this case is that the, the offenders, the, you know, the guilty people, they actually do exist. And I'm not saying that everyone that's accused um, is guilty, 
by any stretch, but I, I think, you know, the importance is the conversation, which he did talk about. He, you know, he agreed that, that it's good that we're talking about this right now. We need to have more discussion around power dynamics and, and all of these things and privilege. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't phrase it very well, but uh, you know, there is, <laughs> there is definitely, uh, with the media right now, I think, you know, the more stories that they can get on this, it's just, you know, hopping on a bandwagon right now. And, and I don't know. I mean, I'm cynical on it. I think the reality is there's just a whole shit ton of guys that have done a lot of, made a lot of poor decisions in the past. Um, sure. And so, you know, you could make a story every day for the rest of my life and still not cover all of them. Um, we need to, talk about it and people need to heal and we need to start to change our culture. When I think that's, I, I, I don't know if we talked about it on air or not, but like a lot of what Dave Chappelle got a lot of flack for in his new standup special, which I highly, highly recommend. Anybody. I did finally see that fucking... by the way. It was good. Um, what I think he's talking about, it, it, especially like in that second standup special he does, I, I think is pretty true. It's like, guys, we can prosecute every one of these people, but the system is still in place that let these people abuse this power. It's like you, you, you gotta eventually like reconcile, uh, and, uh, you know, figure out a way to move forward and fix the, fix the problem. And it's not to say let people off the hook. Like you don't have to do that obviously, but these little drib drabs are not helping. I don't think I don't the even know what problem. it looks like is the challenge. I mean, you know, people talk about I, I okay, so if, it's, yeah. if it's the system, you know, people talk about, you know, getting more women in power. But the reality is, A, there are women that are guilty of this, too. And B, that a lot of women have also covered for it or looked the other way over the years. Yeah. We need to own that shit, too. That's not the answer either. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know I don't, the answer. I don't know either. It, it definitely is systemic and you could get out, you know, whether it's Congress or Hollywood, you could kick out this entire group and have a new group come in and do the same bullshit. Um, I don't know the answer. Do I think the problem <laughs> with, with, with Hollywood is the same problem with Congress. It's like you can shuffle the, the, the players and you could bring in a whole new roster. It's still the same fucking 10 people controlling everything with the money. Yeah. It's like, you know, unless you plan on stripping Jeff Bezos of his money, which I highly recommend we do. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> And fuck anybody who who's like, oh, you're a fucking commie. Or yeah, no, <laughs> Jeff Bezos has too much fucking money. There is such a thing, and there should be such a thing as a maximum income. And when you make $100 billion and your fucking workers are on food stamps and they could actually get living wages if you had $99.5 billion, you need to be stripped of all your fucking money. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, but as long as you still have those people controlling the system, that, that shit's still going to happen. So I really don't know the answer and i'm not saying that we shouldn't keep doing this i just think it needs to people need to come forward i what i think needs to happen and we've talked about this a little bit is that all these actors who are guilty of these things need to come forward admit what they've done and people need to come to a place of forgiveness uh, and it needs to be sincere you can't just forgive everyone but right we can't it, it can't be this way i think people are getting a little too gleeful and into the 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 pain Olympics of this whole situation where it's like, Oh yeah. Did you see they got this person? It's like, guys, this is fucking like someone that's been victimized. And then it turns into like, you know, the thing we argued about with Jank or like things that 
aren't don't rise to the level of what James Franco did or what Harvey Weinstein did or what a lot of these people did getting lumped in because that's the movement we're in right now, which is a, a generally positive movement. But I, all these people are losing their jobs. Like, I don't think people should lose like their livelihood over being a dick. Like, you know, like we talked about a little about the Max Landis thing and it's like, nobody's actually come forward with an actual concrete allegation of uh, uh, allegation of, Oh, he assaulted me or, Oh, he raped me. It was like, Oh, well, I heard that a friend of mine, a friend of a friend of mine said that he assaulted her at a party. And Oh, by the way, look at this DM where he said that I attract bad toxic men. Like it's not, it's not a crime to be a dick. And like, sure, maybe you don't want to date that person or work with them, but they shouldn't like not be allowed to have a job because they're like, you know what I mean? I just think yeah. it's well, we're never going to get anywhere dollars. if we just, yeah. Yeah, and but we're never going to get anywhere if we keep trying to hunt down everyone who's been a dick to women before. Like, I'm sorry, that's 98% of guys. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's, I'm sure, you know. It, that's my problem is that it is. And, um, you know, unfortunately, many of them right now are sitting there with, you know, consultants and, and agents and making these political calculations of do they sit there, you know, and, and say nothing and, and just hope that it doesn't come out about them or do they come forward and, and try to be proactive about it? And I mean, as a consultant, I'd always be like, be proactive, you know, come out if you, you know, are genuinely well, Morgan sorry. Morgan was like the template for how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, come forward, you know, admit it, you know, seek help if you need it, whatever, um, you know, and, and be a part of the movement, be a voice to, to help everyone get past it, call out your, you know, uh, fellow men and women, if, if that's the case that, you know, have been guilty of, of similar things and, you know, hold everyone else accountable to be a part of the solution. Um, stop being part of the problem. So, but yeah, everybody's making these calculations. Um, I think that they're hoping that this is like a, you know, a wind that will blow over and, um, it just seems to, to be, to your point, drips and drabs, continuing, continuing, um, I don't know what it's. And I think it's take. hurting the movement that it's that it's coming this way because a lot of people are like starting to write it off and be like annoyed with it, and it's well, like, well, yeah, because not... there are levels because it is different when someone. It, it's still creepy if a, a guy that you don't want to put his arm around you, you know, starts rubbing your shoulders or whatever. It's it's still creepy. <laughs> Joe Biden, um, you know exactly, but you know it's not <laughs> the same as someone raping you, and yeah, no, they're absolutely. they're both bad and they both should be condemned, but. Um, you know, I think we need to have some more discussion around this and, um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to move into a stage two where we figure out solutions to this problem rather than just outing everybody who did something. Not that we shouldn't well, keep outing people if they've done it, but you know what I mean? I, I think we need to find proactive ways to move forward. And that's a lot of that is on the men who have done these things in the past coming forward the way that Morgan Spurlock did. Right. And, he, you know, I mean, I applaud I like Time's Up, you know, Alyssa Milano and, and the others that that have u attempted to use their voice to highlight the many women who aren't celebrities who just deal with this shit. You know, people who yeah. are housekeepers and, you know, working in factories and whatever and, and have to, you know, feel that they are, you know, have to do these things for other reasons. It's, you know, um, I guess you could say there's some idea of, you know, privilege with celebrities, you know feeling like they need to do this to get a job, For like sure. be in a yeah. movie versus somebody who, mm. you know, needs mm. to feed their family. It's just, a, you know, it's a different level. So I appreciate them using their voice for that, you know, whether wearing black or whatever was the symbol, whether that did anything, I, I don't 
you know, no. Mm. Um, I guess there's discussion uh, that some members of Congress are going to bring uh, some victims to the upcoming State of the Union address. That will be <laughs> which very is pretty interesting. Funny. Yeah, given... Trump, some of Trump's victims, which is funny considering the press conference he had with. Yeah, uh, so so that should Bill's be interesting. Um, you know, but but I guess I hope that. Time's Up is also a movement to find solutions for these things. And I guess what they are doing is putting some funds together to help women that are not able, don't feel that they're able to sue. Yeah, Yeah. legal defense fund. And and I very much support that. So I do think that there are good things um, happening as a result of this movement. And I really appreciate those that that do have the power um, using their voices to, to try to make an impact. And we just need to continue to find those kind of solutions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, oh, so, you know, if you like what you hear on the show, check us out on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash move left. We do a movie review podcast over there. Um, we just did, uh, bright, uh, which, you know, we were just talking about how we were talking about Max Landis. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear our discussion on that, you can go listen to the, uh, bright episode we actually released that to everybody that's in our main feed so you go back a couple episodes you'll see our uh uh, movie left review of bright uh get a little kind of sneak peek as to what we do in the uh other yeah and i i i really enjoy those i actually enjoy those i think more more than the main show even because i i I love doing the main show I love the, uh, yeah, I fucking love movies. That's why this is like, I, I always have an opinion on one of these, like, you know, the next Hollywood actor, uh, to, you know, get, right. uh, get accused of something. Cause I, uh, but yeah, I go check us out over there. I, I, I think, you know, if you're into this podcast and you're into the analysis we do, I think you'll like it. Uh, we don't just review the movies. We talk about, uh, the, political implications of the movie and things like that. We always pick movies with a political theme. Um, and we do those about twice a month. So, uh, for $3 a month on Patreon, you can get access to that podcast. Uh, if we get enough Patreon subscribers, we might even do that once a week. Uh, you know, that'll be something we'll have to discuss, uh, I guess off air, <laughs> but, but, but once we get there, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, check us out, patreon.com slash move left. Uh, you can hear us at soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, follow us on Twitter at move left idiots. Um, I am at a Montrulo on Twitter. I am at a poly bent, P-O-L-I-B-E-N-T, or the political bent on Facebook. And uh, come back and join us next week. insanity in the control room tonight.